0: Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome
1: to the rant room, rant room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? Twenty twenty-three. Yeah. On this show we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, crap, and shit like that. You know we had bars like that, did you, Alex? Nah,
2: nah. <laughs> y'all y'all going into it. This is
1: professional. Just of just a card. Um, so if you guys are going, we go ahead and Jake jump on in. We got my man Chris Derrick, in the building. What's up, Chris? How you doing, boss? I'm doing good, man. Okay, that's enough. Um, no, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing good. I'm just um I'm trying to survive the strike
3: in terms of like you know like just my mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a real thing. It's, a, it's p- like people don't mm-hmm. quite get it. Like uh, the other night, I was like a friend of mine from from college was in town. We were at the so I was talking and he was like, explain to me about how this money shit works and blah, blah, blah. And I was telling him about it. He's like, man, like you guys, he, he says something interesting to me. He said, your risk profile mm-hmm. is really fucking high. Right. I said to him, here's what most of y'all don't even realize when you're not in Hollywood. You think we get all this money, right. mm-hmm. but you don't think about we got to pay the guild, we got to pay the tax man, we got to pay our, our reps. Yep. And the reps can be like 25% all of your money All three of them Yeah all three of them. That, <laughs> exactly. So that's the thing That most people don't get Is that yep. there's a See here's something You should put on your stance For the for the NBA They should do this What's that What's that Studios should pay the commissions
1: mm. Bro We've been talking about this for years mm.
3: We should not have to pay our commissions Bro mm. shouldn't I'm telling you So, yeah, I'm we, thinking, in, so we we gonna get I'm, in I'm, yeah, I'm, no, that's that's interesting. So We gonna get So I was, I was thinking about that Um, Oh and then also I, You know Like, I watched Michael Mann's Heat again the other night. Okay, that's great. Great. I haven't haven't seen it in, like, 10 years. Mm -hmm. I just got the 4K. And I was like, they would never make a movie like this today. Yeah. It's too fucking good, number one. <laughs> number one, it's too fucking good. Right. Um, but number two, which I realized because I saw Robocop a year or two ago, I thought mm-hmm. they made like this movie either. But you know what? The big that movie's amazing too. People think it's people, oh, I love Robocop. Amazing, amazing, but the thing that that,
4: getting, it's getting real. We live right. in Robocop. Yes. So yes. the thing that
3: I think would that kills Heat now is because I remember when the movie came out, mm-hmm. that shootout. Mm. and they do the robbery mm-hmm. is so fucking right. it's, so directly, it's so directed so directed So a master class mm-hmm. but I'm watching it and I'm like you never even see guns like this in movies you never see people just rolling out shit with cops and blah 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 mm-hmm. and I'm saying to myself oh yeah because like two years later was like that the shootout in old Hollywood mm-hmm. so I'm saying to myself you, you know that guy who does the pitch meeting You know who comes yep. on YouTube mm-hmm. what if he did like a post you know post mortem <laughs> like pretending to be like hey we're you know like we're, we're warner brothers we put out heat and now they're reacting to the yeah. shootout like oh shit life is imitating art kind yeah. of thing because yeah. i was like they cut all this type of shit out in a mm-hmm. way it's very subtle but was the last time you saw a movie and those guys don't glorify guns the way they do in like robocop right. mm-hmm. but it's still a pretty crazy scene because they're just like they're unloading mm-hmm. yeah. downtown l.a. Fucking up cop cars. There's just like, there's some gratuitous cop car just getting shot up. <laughs> cops just shooting cars up. And I just was like, this is a really cool movie. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing too is though, if you haven't seen it in a while, and I haven't seen it probably in like five or 10 years, but the, the 4K is like the director's cut. And I, the only thing I know that's a little different is the last moment at the end when Pacino shoots De Niro. Mm. There's, a, there's, there's like... It's like four or five extra little fast shots in there. I was like, I don't remember those being in there. Hmm. You know, when he like his, it, it, huh? it's real fast <laughs> in his face, you know, you know, and I don't have like a theatrical cut available to look at, but um, it's interesting just to go back and look at movies and see if they hold up and see what they're about. And you know, I, I was like saying to myself, Is this peak Al Pacino and Robert yeah, De Niro? I think so. This oh, is yeah. peak yeah. him. He-
4: Height of their powers Height totally. of everything yeah,
1: Totally Absolutely fucking everything Yeah You know um, I think then they really started doing like Oh we'll do a movie once every 10 years Well see No no see I <laughs> thought, I, like, I thought you
3: know about that and, and I was like So what are the next few movies that these guys did Like All I mean right. particularly Pacino Like I Because I'm like What was the last movie that he did That I really watched in the theater mm-hmm. You know and I was like oh After this he did like uh, Like um
1: When was St. Never Woman When was that
3: No that was before It was the, the year before, before. It, okay. But he did like um uh, the football movie with like any given oh, wow. Sunday. Was it, was, it was like, there's like, there was like, was like f- there was three foot movies right after that mm-hmm. that he did after Heat. I was like, oh yeah, this is peak Pacino. You know, he's like 50. It's right. like, what? It's like 25 years, 20 some years right after like after Godfather. Mm-hmm. He's back after the little hiatus in the whatever, the loss of Wilderness in the 80s. And it's like, wow, this guy is like on his shit. Hmm. And it's crazy too, is it's like, there's like little small roles of people that you're like, You did this role for this? Like, there's a moment.
1: They're they're celebrities now. There's a small
3: moment in the end. Like, it's right at the shootout. And I totally forgot this. I've seen a movie a long time. Um, It's right at the shootout. And and, and Valkyrie's been shot in the the clavicle. And and they're Mm. hustling him off. And they go to a mob doctor, right? Mm. And the mob doctor is Jeremy Piven. (laughs) oh right and I'm like motherfucking Jimmy I mean and it's like was he and this is way before uh, Entourage but you're just like wow like this is crazy like the roles that just got people into play smaller things and it's like and even today like when they do movies that are you know these two heavyweights hitting like that Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta be the last movie I saw did something like that was um uh, uh, Spielberg's The Post. You know, he had two okay. big heavyweights in the leads, mm-hmm. and then he populated with enough actors that you knew because because fucking Bob Odenkirk has got like a little. F- he's his role is kind of throwaway in mm-hmm. The Post, you know. And I'm like, this is you've been Sal or Saul for a minute now. You get to tell him to do this role. Yeah. So it's
1: interesting just to go back and look at films that are you know coming up. See know? when I see shit like that, and we'll get into you in a minute, Alex. No, this is why we call it the rant room. By no, the way, rant. Um, when I see shit like that, I wonder did bob shoot that years before he got the job you feel me like did did, did they did they just come out now while he was in that position, did he did he take that job on his way up? Like I what, feel like he wanted you know to work I mean? with Spielberg. Yeah, right? exactly. like yeah. I feel like you take okay. those
4: bit roles sometimes. Like uh, I just watched uh, Oppenheimer, right? Uh-huh. Rami Malek has yeah. this tiny role, and right. he, most of the time he's not talking. Yeah. He talks at the very end of the movie. No spoilers, but you're like, why is Rami Malek just taking a background <laughs> actor role? But right. well, he probably really wanted to work <laughs> with Christopher Nolan. You
3: know? Yeah, exactly. that's what it is. That's what it is. Because yeah. yeah. you say to yourself, okay. This is Michael Mann coming off of, this is is Last of the Mohegans coming off of that. Mm -hmm. He's coming off of Miami Vice, the show, and he's like, I'm going to do the the godfather of godfather of crime movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And everyone probably knew that shit right. you know and even even in my mind i'm i'm like what the fuck is is this michael Mann speak to what does he do like so i was like oh he does Ali next oh okay yeah. so he's just like cr- he's just yeah. like mm-hmm. giving up to be live yeah. <laughs> is yeah. what it he's is changing the genre like yeah. a motherfucker though yeah because yeah. yeah. because yeah. uh, because i don't think there's been a crime movie like that right. since then you right. know i mean with two guys of that stage stature like freight trains come at each other you know and it's just filled with motherfuckers who've got no roles I mean yeah. like I mean it's just like insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane I mean
4: they had the Irishman but they weren't quite freight train speed anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> they no, slowed down sure. considerably no, no, no. but at
3: the same time but those guys were like on the same side of that mm-hmm. you know like yeah. it's a little different but it's like two guys like really opposing
4: they get, they other. get
1: equal airtime for yeah, yeah. the most part it's like a
4: boxing match yeah. Yeah. you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah.
1: so with that we got my man, little bro in the building. <laughs> Look at that, you know I had bars like that. Didn't you? <laughs> Talk about <laughs> it, Alex O'Keefe, y'all writer, um, activist, I say activist, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, I'm lobbyist. All kind of something oh, with yeah. an instant. in it. Everything, <laughs> every ist, every instantism. <laughs> Out here right now doing big things, y'all. Y'all seen him on the Bear season one. Um, you guys have seen him all over the place um, uh, with the Writers Guild strike. Uh, he's up up for nomination right now, so make sure y'all motherfuckers go out and vote. Yes, he's on our show because we support him. Um, so with that, welcome to the show, my man. Appreciate What's happening? y'all having me, Indeed. man.
4: Like it's great to just be in community. I right. think that's been the best part of the strike. And like you were saying, man, like the mental health is difficult Bro. when you're alone. When you back at your house, you're like, I got. This is my career that Mm -hmm. I've just put on hold, not just for me, but for everybody in this guild, not just in this guild right now, but for the next generation. And so there's that heavy responsibility. But then when we're on the picket line, when we're talking, when we're talking with mics or without mics, that community makes me feel like, oh, I belong here. And I'm sure y'all know, like being a black man coming into this business, it's like. (laughs) hostile is confusing it's not the culture that we're kind of used to mm-hmm. you know it's a very
1: unique you feel like you're back on the streets again <laughs>
4: <Yeah. huh? laughs> i'm like damn i'm grinding you know <laughs> and i come from politics and i was doing a lot of political work and i made my work my way up to the top of that working right. like writing for senators and everything and then you come to hollywood you're right back at the beginning they right. say what was that hurricane that uh hit last week they were like oh yeah <laughs> the hurricane's a category five hillary. in its
1: hometown hillary but, why the bitch gotta be called hillary yeah,
4: right? <laughs> exactly but once the hurricane came to LA it turned into a tropical storm you know exactly. like that exactly. LA really you know noodles your force for a bit <laughs> you have to work your way back exactly. up it I mean, it's a hurricane it really some, some people got flooded and
3: hit though you know yeah, some people it. I really I mean, got, got hurt know. some people did I mean you know, it's interesting you, I was sometimes thinking about a second ago about our careers and stuff like that Um, I think I think a lot I'm gonna see what you think about this uh, like a lot of what we're dealing with is grief yes yes because the career that we fought really fucking hard for you right. know i mean and obviously you get on a show hit show yeah hit show. You, which you guys didn't know Big the time nah,
4: had no idea
3: but it's like okay so so this is changing like this is going to accelerate my career mm-hmm. like when it's on last year and then all of a sudden it's like wait a minute <laughs> yeah hold up Uh, Like like you said, you top your career in politics, (laughs) come here, and it's getting ready to explode for you, and then we're gonna stop it all. Yeah, you know. So there's a sense of like the sacrifice that everyone's thinking is the the money sacrifice and everything like that, but it's more like we know that what we were all kind of interested in coming out here for, yeah, is dying because these dudes, yeah. We're like, eh, I don't really
4: care about that. It's about practicing our craft. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I want to be able to write. TV and movies and then they get filmed and then the audience likes it and it makes a lot of money for somebody else and you and me hopefully me so far hasn't made much money for me (laughs) but ideally from what I understood when I came into the business that I would get rich if I make a big hit show or big hit movie now that's not the case but ultimately we do it because and this is what I love about the Writers Guild of America (laughs) you know like we all were those kids that were bookish or we were in our heads we were always writing stories we had crazy imagination comic book nerds comic book nerds you know And we found this outlet and we train ourselves and we you know, for the wide majority of us, it's never enough. We always right. want to get better. You can meet any writer. I remember at the Bear premiere, I went mm-hmm. up to Chris, who was a creator. I'm like, dude, like, we had gotten some early reviews. I'm like, dude, people love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's going to be a hit. He's like, ah, it sucks, man. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> as a writer, as a creative, yeah. you're always seeing like, man, I could have done this better. Always. And you're always, always pushing yourself. And I just want to keep pushing myself. Right. So I'm trying to pour that creativity into the strike. I think all of us are. Whenever mm-hmm. we go to a picket, man, it's a creative space. Yeah. Um, they picked a fight with the wrong folks but you know it's just sad because yeah like the bears nominated for an emmy right now Bro. i think that the emmy votes in this coming week mm-hmm. um and the emmys would be happening i think next month or something yeah like but they, year, push they, they push it to january it, but yeah. they push that to january so it, it's like everything's on hold yep. and now if we weren't on strike then probably i'd be doing all sorts of generals and be like <laughs> oh yeah the emmy. but for now i'm just don't you want to run your own show <laughs> yeah, and instead i'm just at my house with my dog yeah, and being yeah. like well you know applying for jobs I was yep. Making minimum wage and everything. Crazy. And it's humbling. It's humbling. And I think it's important to be humbled. And I think it also makes us better artists to be in touch with what most Americans are feeling. I right. think that's why this strike. Unlike any writers' strike that's happened before, we have the full support cross cross party. Cross you know, party. Republicans and Democrats. Everybody's like, "No, y'all got to win," because right. this is not just a fight for y'all. This is a fight for all workers. And I think that's what obviously, like the Bear, it has great cooking scenes. It has great characters. Especially, it,
1: they went in season two. Yes, like season they, two. Season one, it was like, "Is he cooking?" Yeah, he was
4: season two. Shirt. Now it's like, "Oh, it that nigga, professional shit. chef." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they've
2: trained. I mean, in all <laughs> the
1: cooking <laughs>
4: scenes. That's the actors doing yeah. it. They trained yeah. They went to school for it which is incredible but i think what resonated what resonates and what made it such a breakout hit is you know ultimately it's about the kind of job that a lot of americans work which is a service industry job and usually it's a dead-end job and you're not working it thinking that you can have any kind of creative say in it but that's a show that says, you know, like, even if you're making sandwiches at this corner Chicago spot, right. make the best sandwiches you could possibly make. Elevate and I think
1: it, I think it was smart that they kept season one as kind of like just like a little fast food. Exactly. See, if they would have started where they're going, yeah. I'm not sure it would have, it had would the have same, resonated the same way. They, we needed to see them build to that exactly. and, and have that desire, that totally. fight to, to become the best. Totally. You know, ahead, I'm sorry.
3: Here's the thing that's interesting about the show. Um... I tell you something that is see, now this might sound weird, but it's the okay. it's a um it's uh it's uh it's a kudos I give to shows. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch episode ten or
1: whatever, the final episode of season one. Mm-hmm. He does this by the way. He yeah like He'd be holding it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do
2: that
4: same shit <laughs> <hold laughs> I never my, end up watching
2: my, it. <laughs> no, is
3: I didn't watch it. I said I'm not gonna watch how this ends until I know there's a second season. Mm. Ah. And I wanted to wait because I was like, I really like all what this show is doing. Mm. And if there's not going to be another one, then I'm just going to leave it where it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> because if, and, it, and then when they announced it, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the second the last episode. Was, and the last episode was great. It's a really fascinating show. But you're right. It, it's like, see, the thing that is interesting about what you're talking about, the dead end jobs, the service jobs, it's like, and it's interesting, this shows the microcosm because it's like, I don't know the name I mean, of the characters, i the rip, but the guy who's the pastry chef, right? Marcus, yeah, he has a job that we can equate to a lot of things. But he was like, How do I find a way to mm-hmm. make this creative for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's gonna tell me that they like this cake, this is gonna get a cake, you know, mm-hmm. but like for my own sanity, mm-hmm. I gotta do this. So, in those moments. In the show, when they're trying to bring their own little piece mm. of humanity, their own little personality to something, yeah. and then it gets kicked away because because Karma's like, we ain't got time for this. Show, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it hurts them. <clears throat> On the show right. But it hurts us As the audience Because we know How
4: significant How significant
3: it is Just to do that one thing and Exactly And you do one thing oh, and, yeah. and you work this one job I'm sure you worked at politics And write speeches Like you probably Have a sentence you like Oh I want to get this cool line in Well even and in they the they Exit hours room they, Even time it is Well that's different The writing room is different <laughs> just, Motherfuckers always Cutting shit out But yeah. there's that moment Of like Oh I got this in Yeah Got this in And it didn't and it stayed yeah yeah or it got cut yeah. out you know i mean it's, it's i mean i think the thing that that's the thing about being in the writer's room and that everybody doesn't quite get as people who aren't in the industry and i think that it's the thing that like it's it's why we can like walk the streets yep. mm-hmm. in the hundred degree heat <laughs> mm-hmm. and be straight is this like there's that moment of like oh something i came up
2: with
1: yeah
3: I've never, I don't have a two story. i never forget the story. It's when, also like
1: seeing your name.
3: Well, the, see, look, that that's name? huge. That's wild. That's, that's wild. fucking yeah. huge. But I
4: remember seeing the scene, though.
3: Yeah, but I remember in the third season of Picard when I pitched a name for like a ship, mm-hmm. you know, there was like five or six other ship names on the thing, something right. like that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we left and the show one was going and looking at stuff. And the next day, that was the ship name? Yeah. Wow, yeah. 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 just like, mm-hmm. okay, shit, so what does that mean, you know? Right. And then I'm, I'm like, oh, go, is that like creating a character? Yeah, yeah it is. Money, <laughs> but, 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 but the yeah. crazy thing is I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, he, they're, they're going to change that name. They're going to change that right. name. And then when the production designer, you know, like, yeah. you know, like sent the sketches in and it said, that's the name of the ship I was like oh wow this is like real <laughs> yeah, this shit is that's real dope. and th- that moment which I had to kind of like 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 hold in private you know cause you can't <laughs> boast like that in the writers nah. I'm like, oh yeah Yeah, shit, shit, <laughs> shit Like, <you> shit <laughs> who made that that's a great yeah. name who yeah. did, who did that okay next point next point yeah. let's go <laughs> gotta be cool but, I, but like but my my own sense of like this is so amazing and then the you know like that's what fuels you yeah, that's the fuse. Yeah. The writers that you know is that these are That's no what things.
1: keeps you going throughout
3: all keeps that. Yeah, all this, yeah. Kind, of stuff, all this sure. kind of stuff, you know. Yeah.
4: And okay. I, th- I think that that was the the Bears' first season and the 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 show, like the 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 kitchen in the show right. and the kitchen of cooking up the show mm-hmm. it had a lot of parallels oh, really? in beautiful ways because yeah. we were all being pushed in this tiny mini room mm-hmm. you know with limited time and resources Wait, they have mini rooms
2: now that that <laughs> yeah <is>? yeah
4: exactly <laughs> and nobody thought that there was a lot of pessimism right. of like this show isn't it's probably not going to make it to air and if it does it's going to be one of those shows that is like not featured on the streaming because there's so many good shows if you start going through the streaming that no one ever watches because there's no promotion for Mm -hmm. it. And so you just kind of think you're doing this in somewhat obscurity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when you pitch something and it makes it to the show and then when other people watch it and it took me a long time, The Bear became super successful. I wasn't even on Twitter. So I wasn't on Twitter at the time. So I didn't even hear The Bear was successful. I was over here working another gig. So I was just like focusing and I left the room ended early Mm -hmm. like the room was cut early it was cut from this so you didn't
1: even get the weeks they said you were going
4: to get. yeah we
0: didn't even get the weeks that we said and it was
4: it's kind of like we walked in one day it was like alright we gotta end this now (laughs) it was like I don't know they find they find a bunch of money in the tomato cans, yeah, you know, and yeah. we just kind of wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, episode eight, we did not think that there was going to be a season two. We yeah. hoped, but it really didn't seem like it at the time. And it took me a while to even know that the bear had hit the way it hit with people. Right. Like, I was at a party, and, you know, people were like, yo, Alex worked on the bear. And people mm-hmm. were like, oh, Carmi and Sydney." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. these are like characters <laughs> that you talked with your friends or your coworkers mm-hmm. or live in your head. Mm-hmm. Their dialogue lives in your head. And when it starts to be something real to others, people that's the next level and it really wasn't until i watched it with a live audience Mm. it was like a four-year consideration event Mm -hmm. and seeing certain lines or you know how it is with pitch rooms it's not even necessarily a full line sometimes it's a scenario that you help develop it's a premise yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but seeing it resonate i wasn't even watching the show at that point i was watching the people the show light up on people's faces and i was like yo this is what I do it for. Yeah. And there is a lot of bullshit to this business. Oh, yeah. There is a lot of misery. There is mm-hmm. a lot of grinding. It's not It's not easy. Mm-hmm. If you are in this guild, you're one of the best storytellers in the known Bro. universe. It is not easy. It's a small guild. It's That's an exclusive what, see, club. See,
3: to me, I was telling people the other day on Twitter, I was like, these motherfucker people... At, you know how they, hire, they had hired that crisis management yeah. PR yeah. company yeah. I needed them but, he about, <laughs> no, but, but, but here, here's the thing I was saying I, I was like but the thing you guys don't realize is studio people the best people who know how to do PR work and shit like that mm-hmm. they've left that and they've become writers in the writers yeah, guild bro. totally because if you're good you want to yep. be and test your metal against everyone else, yep. and that's where you're gonna go. Yeah. I mean, and, look, and I'm,
1: those lawyers who represented us yes, are now right.
3: Yeah, 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 so yeah. It's, it's. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about, you know, what I remember when we went to the Chinese theater for the premiere of, of Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I don't know if I told you guys this, but it's like, I was crying the whole yeah, time did. the minute yeah. the screen came on. Yeah. Because it just was like, oh my god. This thing we worked on, you know, for us it was fun. I love that feeling. It's, it's, I love it's, that feeling. Because for us it was like 60 weeks straight on that room. Right? Oh, my God. It was straight. This ins- insanity. Oh, my God. Yeah, it he
1: came on the show like once every four months. Yeah, because it, it was too much work. And then yeah. like to see it all yeah. together and see
3: the, the Chinese, that theater is so big, you get to feel, and everyone's, it's historic, you get right. to feel everyone's excitement yeah. of the thing, you know, and, and not, I mean, and, and the writers all sat together and I just was like, you know, the seven of us did this thing right. yeah. that we thought wasn't, I mean we knew people were going to like it because mm-hmm. we were like, we fucking, it's Picard they're going to at least like it right. we don't know they're going to love it until yeah. the, the audience is clapping at like the fucking yeah. you know, like like the, the episode name because we called it the next generation <laughs> they're like, oh! "Ah, yeah, we're like, yeah. what the fuck yeah, y'all exactly going crazy, so it's this thing that you never can anticipate
2: Yeah, and but it, you and said
1: them Star Trek fans, they be going in they
2: that, went in
3: on Twitter yeah. But that's the thing, too. You, I mean, the thing see, the thing that, that you have to do with the n- next show you're on or whatever it is, is that when the sh- if the fans are loving your show, yeah, and it's a little different maybe because your show, because I can't remember if The Bear was coming out weekly or if it all dropped at once. All dropped. Yeah, see, for us, if it came out weekly. It's like the engagement from, like, people would start, to, like, the phone would start buzzing at, like, 10 o'clock at night. Because the people on the East Coast who watched watched who watched it at midnight at one was over now sort of tweeting, so Mm -hmm. it's hitting us at ten. And I was like, these motherfuckers are so into this show. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just sitting there saying, like, oh my God, we touch people's lives. Yeah. And touching people's lives is what gives us something as writers. And that's where I'm gonna segue this into like the thing about the AI is that it's like you don't want to take that away from to the audience doesn't want to have the the if, like story told to them in a way that's unsubstantiated, mm-hmm. unsynthetic mm-hmm. and then you steal it from the people who like get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, because you know, it's not just us who fucking who get this energize some writing and stuff like that. It's those who are around us who and who who want to also be writers are inspired by. Oh you yeah, know, the actors. Everyone is inspired by what we do.
4: And the important thing to remember is that every character you watch on screen, even if you're riding for Picard, like, mm-hmm. none of us have ever flown a space shuttle bro, before. Have, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah, your life. So that's he your did life. Like <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> it but didn't exactly float. <laughs> <laughs> you were on set. Yeah. <laughs> but you, there are certain things that you pour out of your soul into the character to make it more real. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a writer's room especially, you can't claim credit for any single thing. That's what I love about it. It's all of us pouring our memories, our souls, our traumas sometimes, and processing it together into new characters, new storylines. And sometimes it's comedy, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's drama, but no matter what, it's human. And I think that's what's so significant about this strike It's a fight for humanity when it feels like the rest of the world has turned away from humanity, that the capitalism as it is now has turned away from humanity and taking care of each other and looking out for each other. We're not neighbors anymore in this country. Mm -hmm. We're all haters online or (laughs) enemies in person and we're all addicted to our smartphones and to our machines and the machines and the algorithms are designed to make us more like machines to think like machines to think like oh man right. I need that Tide Pod delivered <laughs> you know and then the algorithm predicts that the ti- you need that Tide Pod yeah, delivered yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it it, it manipulates us We're we'll- here
1: tomorrow at 6pm yeah exactly <laughs> and be you're
4: be like here. great <laughs> yeah and that's your, enti- your entire dopamine rush yeah. is based on your likes based on your consumer products and all this sort of thing and I'm not saying I don't order from Amazon Prime yeah. when I need something delivered fast alright right? I'm not immune from it right. but I think that we are losing touch what act, what actually makes human life so beautiful i was laying in the grass at the park at vista vista hermosa mm-hmm. uh, yesterday with my fiance and my dog and man i was just in peace mm. you know i was just loving life and there was nothing he
1: had that purple stuff with him too he didn't tell nobody. about it.
3: <laughs> so uh, so i, I don't know about you but i want to ask you a question about this because this feeling of like you've like you made something so amazing of yourself i remember the first time I saw you. Was at um, Was at the Universal Hilton. Yeah, yeah. And you got up and you and you told them the story about like when you were writing on the bears, like you were having. I think you were in New York. You were yeah. having trouble with your heat mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that was like part, and and that life experience was making it into the show. Yeah. And it's like that. I feel is like again about what you're saying about like this loss of humanity. You know. Yeah. That's the story. So I just want to ask you about like you know from 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 there to being on the beach in hermosa like i mean w- like let's talk about that journey yeah you know? yeah i was gonna actually well, can th- we go back yeah yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about how the that push.
2: happened
4: man i mean that day I'm, it was a day that we took the strike authorization vote i wasn't feeling good i knew i had to vote yes to go on strike i knew there was no other way because yeah. for me to have any kind of career in this business We have to win this strike. It doesn't matter if I win an Emmy Award, if I win an Oscar. That don't matter. The individual achievement don't matter if we just degrade our profession collectively and if machines take over our writing. And so I knew that this was existential, but I also knew I had no money. You know, I was out of money. Mm-hmm. You get paid forty three thousand dollars for a show that you know it, you write it the year before it airs. Bro. So by the time everyone's
1: loving that it, was a like, year ago, <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> yo, yo, like I'm glad y'all <laughs> like it, but none of that money's in my exactly. bank account anymore. Exactly. I gave it away to my bank. I mean, to my um, union, to my agents. Uh, it, it's all, it all goes away to rent and Ooh. food. And so I was I was desperate. And even when I was working on the bear, like you were saying, I w- they didn't fly me to L A. So I was zooming mm-hmm. in from New York City, my tiny apartment it was freezing it was a pandemic it was a depressing mm-hmm. triggering time which makes it into that first season it's right. a very like emotionally rot right. comedy and triggering I hear it all the time people were triggered I was triggered writing for that show I would plug in my space heater and then it would knock out all my power and I had to go over the library <laughs> <laughs> pitching pitching ideas for the episode and the librarian literally be like shh I'd be like okay guys I think the army should do this you know? I'm like how is this, how is this Hollywood. I thought wow. that my life would be glitzy and glamour. I'm, I'm, I'm backsliding doing this work. <laughs> and I was driving to that strike authorization meeting um, at the Universal Hilton and I was crying to be honest with you Mm. I was just like my my mom was in the hospital for um, a heart issue and she didn't have any health insurance and then my brother had this uh, diverticulitis so Mm. he was in the hospital too in different places in the country that
0: a crip gang what is that (laughs)
4: yeah diverticulitis (laughs) no that's my homie from the street (laughs) yeah
0: man you ever meet
4: diverticulitis Um, and it was it was uh, you know I always have just wanted to take care of my family that's that's the number one thing I'm not trying to be rich and famous I just want to get to that middle class lifestyle to take care of my family to make sure if, if, if something happens right. that they have security and I felt so grateful in that moment to mm-hmm. have that writer's Guild card in my pocket mm-hmm. to know I have that health insurance I right. have that security I only have that because of the work of the people who struck before me And so I had to take that stand right now. But I was sitting in the back of that strike authorization meeting and I was listening to a lot of people share how how much they had fear Mm -hmm. about going forward. And it wasn't like everyone's like, hell yeah, let's go on strike. Like right now we have that level of solidarity. We're not backing down. But before there was fear, Cause we all knew, yo, this could go on for the whole year. Yep. And then what are we gonna do? We have families. We have health issues. We have we have to take care yep. of ourselves. And this is losing out. <laughs> yo, we're writers. Like I wish I was adept at many different jobs, <laughs> but I'm not good. I'm not good at most jobs. All right, you put me in a restaurant, I'm gonna get yelled at That's every good. single day. I'm good at writing,
2: <laughs> using my mind.
4: <laughs> Anything else, yo, you are gonna fire me first day because I cannot carry that many plates on my. That's you somewhere. know, I'm just not. I'm clumsy. So. (laughs) We were all I had heard so much fear And especially the young writers Fear Misunderstanding Why are we doing this I I remember one writer Was like Why can't we just sue them And there was a misunderstanding Of why we go on strike And what this means And I didn't even think much of it But I just found myself Standing up And walking to the front And Mm -hmm. waiting in line To speak at the microphone and I was holding all this hurt and this fear and this pain, and I just decided, like, I'm just gonna be real, because mm-hmm. usually in Hollywood, you're, you're you're told, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta front. You got But nobody- see,
1: that is what separates you, though. Yeah. I think a lot of people are talking; you just speaking from the heart. I'm just speaking you from, from the, the heart. And 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 you you're the prime example of somebody. Who is like, I got receipts that this yeah. is some real shit. But go ahead. This is
4: some real shit. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of, of anything. I'm yeah. just telling them where I'm at at this point in time. Yeah. And I spoke from my heart about this experience on the bear, mm-hmm. which is a huge show now. Right. Huge. Making so much money for Disney and and, and also just beloved. Yeah and how on the other side of the glitz and glamour you know you can be in you can be in poverty making these tv shows now right. especially the younger cats uh-huh. who you know the, the agents and everything they put us all against each other so if we don't accept the bare minimum and smile then they say oh there's another homie right outside oh, that door yeah. that will take I'll that I to have guy. another
1: client who be
2: yeah exactly straight. you hear that so minute. you're
4: like alright I'll take this mm-hmm. and we are all pitted against each other mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, creating solidarity because most mm-hmm. of the time the studios and the agents are running this business right, right now the guild and the workers are running the whole show so and that's no, why we're seeing this solidarity it's, it's
3: nobody likes that the, that, the, that the workers are trying to run the show Exactly. <laughs> they don't like that. Mm-hmm. They feel like you know it's this whole
2: thing. It's
1: important. It's
3: important. Yeah, What's yeah. The yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you're being, we don't I have that word in the projects. I don't. Yeah, know how like to like do the whole <laughs> thing is, it's like they feel that you shouldn't say no to us. Mm-hmm. We make deals all day. Yeah. This is the best deal we're going to give you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's crazy because <laughs> it's kind of like you can think that when you're sitting up in your jet and talking on you know like your satellite phone and shit yep. and just have no sense of what anyone else is doing you know i mean and surrounded by yes men yes, yes men i mean they justify look, it look look mm-hmm. there's no, like the the worst thing about like every situation is you know nobody knows how to put them in their place
2: mm-hmm.
3: nobody's going to no one's going to yeah. i look the 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 best example of what this is so that you can understand how certain people might feel is if you ever watch the behind the scenes to the making of the phantom menace, right? The star Wars movie, right? Mm-hmm. There's a moment where George comes out of the office and he's given everybody the script to the phantom menace. Mm. And he's like, Hey guys, how you got like, like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? And, and all his people who are behind or in front of him, are like oh this is really good George this is really really good George really really good George mm. but his producer Rob McCallum who's, who's over his shoulder so mm-hmm. he can't be can't see George against George's face he's like oh <laughs> shit
2: <laughs> I don't oh, know
3: about this
1: shit we <laughs> gotta do this shit he's thinking budget but
3: he's also thinking is anyone gonna like this mm. and it's like in that moment you go no one said anything Yeah. They all just said, This is the genius, George, because you're the guy. And I feel like people are like, They're like, Iger, you're you're the genius because you bought Marvel and you bought Pixar and you bought Mm -hmm. fucking everything. And I say to myself, Is that really a genius move? No. Because. Everybody would have bought Pixar off the newest. For if sale. you give me four billion dollars, I makes a, not, a lot I'm of I'm genius, I'm genius I'm moves. Right? <laughs> so You're not really a genius, but it's it's, it's it, like, he didn't he didn't make a turnaround play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, buy something that was like got to right. collapse. Yeah, let like, I me mean, buy this and bring it back up to glory. Right. He didn't do that. Yeah. So 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 that's where the the disconnect and what we're thinking about what we're trying to do as like you said the solidarities, the writers as a group. It's like the 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 people. I think a lot of people, like you said, at that meeting, I felt it too. It like, they're thinking about their wallets. Yeah. And it's like the immediacy of what's up with my money. Yeah. And then I remember someone posted something the other day on Twitter that was like, <clears throat> the motherfucker took me 18 months one time to close a deal. Exactly. Bro. And it's like, you know what? If there's
1: anyone that you people have trained to, exactly. wait, to wait, out, wait
3: out,
0: exactly, it's us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Here's a here's a funny thing. I've been saying this. You, if you recall this. I've been saying this since probably April. What they need to do is a version of this. I want to see Iger and Sorrentos and all those guys do undercover boss. Yeah. Yeah. that They be have good. to go into the room. Oh yeah. Not just a 10 week room, bitch, the 20 yeah. week room. <laughs> yeah, the 60 week. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, the 60 yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything Nine From to top 7 hours to too. bottom.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: As a staff writer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So they have to be the one at the oh, office at the he's corner. Wait, wait, a writer. Wait, wait a he's not the he be the writer's assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. The PA. Yeah yeah, 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 <laughs> writers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this. Watch this. They have to do everything. Yeah. All the way. They have to write their outline, the script, the beat sheet, all that shit, which we fucking bang it together anyway. They have to go off for a week, write the script, come back. They have to go produce their episode. No. Because, no, they have N- to. No,
3: no, no. They got to get the network note session. Oh,
2: everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they got to. That all includes it all. I'm talking about all. I'm just jumping. They got to go produce their episode because they got to see. They're only experience it from the point of view of that. First of all, I love what, I don't know if you guys listen to um, Billy Racing. you know, um, strike, talk. strike Talk.
4: Yes, yes. He's,
1: we, you and I were saying from the get-go, we are real producers, mm-hmm. right? I am not the guy who owns the studio or the network, as you already know. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck are they called producers?
2: Mm-hmm. All they did
1: was pay for the shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know nothing about what we do to actually produce, mm-hmm. per se, right? So what I'm saying is they have to go actually produce their episode yeah. with that d- difficult actor, with that <laughs> you know director who's giving you a hard time, yeah. with the tension of, oh shit, the turnaround is going too fast, we, don't have, we can't make the day. They need to experience that. All they're doing is showing up on the set at fucking Video Village with their drink sitting in the director's chair thinking they're producing. That ain't no producing. It's not
3: even even that. What happens is they'll come for an hour.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the first one there and the last one to leave. Well, they come like like
3: noon, yeah, and they'll break at lunch and and go back to their office. They like
1: the clout. They like the clout. They
4: like to go into the parties. They like being able to be invited to Kim Kardashian's house, and that's why they get invited. That's that's why they do this shit. Yeah. Yeah, we do this shit because we actually believe that. Listen. First, humanity, we discovered fire. And then what did we do around (laughs) that fire? We told stories. And if you go talk to like biologists and evolutionary biologists, they say that the reason humanity was able to evolve Mm -hmm. faster than any other... Dogs aren't telling each other stories. Dogs ain't making movies, you know? They eat, they shit, they sleep, they do all that shit. But we are the ones who are able to take all this reality, observe Mm -hmm. it, and then synthesize it into new stories that are laced with morality, laced with lessons, laced with like mythology. And that's why we've been able to develop and develop and develop. What does everybody say about America? The American dream. That's the thing that keeps this entire country going. The ability to be dreamers. It attracts dreamers from all over the world. And then Hollywood attracts dreamers from all over the world. And it's called the dream factory. It's not just a factory. It's not just nuts and bolts and, and and balance sheets that's how these tech folks see it yep. just another another factory. the downsize Offshore, offshore to to Asia yep. and then you know make more money mm-hmm. you know w- that's not what we're gonna allow t- to happen because this industry means something to people across the world right. this is America's greatest export they've offshored everything else that America used to be known for from steel to, <laughs> to cars all that stuff Jeans, everything. <laughs> yeah, everything man everything's made in China exactly. or Korea or Singapore right. uh, and you know God bless the folks over there because they, they aren't working for very much either mm-hmm. But this is supposed to be a good-paying union job. And we got to keep it that way. And this is supposed to be a site for inspiration, right. to keep people going. When they get home from work, what do people do? They turn on Netflix. They turn on Picard. They turn on The Bear. They turn okay. on Abbott Elementary. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how they thats how they get through the day. Mm-hmm. They you don't see. just turn on some, you know, beep-boop machine logic. <laughs> 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 you know, they want to see human stories, yeah. and we got to
3: defend that. that. See, that's just a good point about what happens when you come home because – how many people do you know when their finances are in trouble? They don't cut the cable off, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh,
1: that's the only thing they keep, yeah, the they keep, yeah. Recession okay. proof. The first thing you make because sure is they gotta get their stories. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. and they want to see something.
3: You know, tell something today. You've
1: been no heat, but you got to watch your show. Oh, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Put, me and my I'll brother. Put, we make aluminum foil antennas yeah.
4: Yeah. and attach them to the TV uh, to get that absolutely. UPN. Yeah. Get yeah. living yeah. yeah. single and everything. No matter you know, what, we gonna watch our stories. Gonna get
3: your story. <laughs> because the thing about it that you're saying is, is that like, that's what no one like you like. And the thing is, is that. No one wants to see the same story over and over again. Yeah. You know, like we all want to see the new nuance. Like I read some of the other day, someone was talking about, oh, with AI, our favorite shows aren't going to end. You know? <laughs> and I was kind of like, no, you actually want a show to end. Yeah. Yes. And it's hard to make it to get the ending right. Right. But when you get it right, it resonates so much stronger mm-hmm. because in life things end. Yeah, Friendships, marriage, family, your own life, people you mm-hmm. know, everything is these milestones they talk about, they all end. It's, there's a cathartic moment that that, that that that's part of us growing as humans mm-hmm. is when something ends and, and how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think your idea is really good about these motherfuckers got to go and be the undercover boss and
1: see what it is because They would go, oh, my fucking God. Mm -hmm. That's my whole point. I just want them to see what it is we really do and have to go in the post and be like, oh, my God, this is really writing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because right now they're like, what are you talking about?
4: Well, what I want (laughs) to see is right now this this industry is basically authoritarian. It's ruled by a couple guys who have no idea who live in palaces and get to decide everything from top to bottom. Facts. And this is supposed to be America. Right. And too much of America America's falling back to authoritarianism. And it's not just in <laughs> our politics, it's also in our workplace, it's in our day-to-day life, yeah. that we're no longer given any kind of freedom. Right. This is supposed to, people think, when, I was, when, when you're working as a writer, people think you have ultimate creative freedom. <laughs> and maybe if it was all just other writers, we'd maybe have it. a certain level of creative freedom. Like yo, these network execs, and it's not like they're giving creative notes. Mm-hmm. They're giving the stupidest notes, the notes have more to <laughs> To do with international <laughs> audiences and everything yeah. how's this gonna re- that's why they didn't like the bear how's it gonna resonate in china yep let's just make it resonate to one person first. Mm -hmm. That's how you have to write. When you're writing, you can't write for uh, Korean audiences and Japanese audiences, African, you can't write for everybody else. First you have to write for yourself. Then you have to write for a friend. Then you have to write for somebody, like you when you were a kid, what Mm -hmm. you needed to watch. That's how great writing happens. They don't get that because they see it just as another product that they had to package for as many people as possible. That's what I love about our union, Mm -hmm. because we have a vote. They have the money, we have a vote and we have to continue to build up this union beyond this strike, so it's our democratic say in how this business is run, because I think even if you put those CEOs into the writers' room, yeah. they are so far gone. I think that being like that rich, it <laughs> gives you brain damage. No, no, it gives don't you don't brain damage, damage, man. Yeah. It makes you yeah. wacko. Like, look yeah. at Elon Musk these days, man. It it's, makes you weird. Okay,
3: but here's the thing. I'm, t- I'm gonna give you a slight pushback on that about this. I mean, it's the disconnect. It's not a pushback, but it's the kind of yeah. like a, it's a nuance on the statement about like they say to you, "I need you to write this to work for China or to India or something like that." And to me, I'm saying this is where you guys fucking lack institutional knowledge mm-hmm. you know why you fucking like institutional <clears throat> knowledge because motherfuckers in Bollywood mm-hmm. saw and, you know p- 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 mother- let me take the back motherfuckers in Bombay, <laughs> in
1: Bombay
3: saw Singing in the Rain and were yep, like yep. we need to make movies like yep, this right, right. and that is the birth of Bollywood because they watch our stuff yeah. that wasn't that wasn't like nuance out to fit them. Yeah,
1: it's a fusion of it, 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 yeah. But I'm together.
3: saying, yeah. but I'm saying, but I'm saying, but but when they made sing in the mm-hmm. rain, they weren't saying, "How do we make this appeal to the Indians?" How, you know, right. blah, blah. it was like they saw the human, the, the the raw universal humanity in that story, and said, "I get it. Now we can like do that on our own." Mm-hmm. That's what they don't quite understand. Like you don't have to make a show to appeal to someone else. Like the bear probably appeals to a lot of people in China because they had to work those jobs exactly. like that. Exactly. You know, and, and and here's the thing. Do they need to see someone Chinese no. in the place? Maybe, maybe not. People got imagination. Yeah. They do. And the, the people who don't have imagination are the people who are writing checks. You are saying yeah. yes or no because, cause you can, because the, the, cause then they're like, to represent them more, they have to be on screen. I like this thing, you might have heard this, I was, it's something that, on the podcast, it's something that i was said that, you know, that my dad said to me. It's always stood something to me as a creative. He said to me, I was really young, he was like, if you see someone doing what you want to do, doesn't matter what race they are. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what gender they mm-hmm. are. You can do it. Because mm-hmm. someone's doing it. It's not... Somebody's done it. Because someone's done it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. an impossibility. Yeah. You know, like for the longest time, motherfuckers are like, can we get to the moon? I don't know if we can. <laughs> but the minute the fucking area you're going is in space, then they're like, okay, we can get to the moon. Mm-hmm. Because someone sure. got past that one barrier. So it's <laughs> like, that's where what we do when you write these shows, I can guarantee you that a Chinese restaurant oh, yeah. in fucking... You know, plural, uh, plural. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying. Yeah. China. I hear from people yeah. from Egypt. I hear yeah. from people from all over, over the, the world. Yeah. Look, you give me Egypt. You give me a fucking Santa Bernardino. Yeah, absolutely. You know what that means when it's a tight pressure cooker at the job. Right. Absolutely. And it's like there's no room for this, and some someone new comes in who's got their own idea. Like, like, like that's so universal.
4: There's there's universality in the specificity. Right. You know, the more specific you make it, which in the in the bear. You know, it's similar to like a sci-fi thing like Picard. That's how I always looked at it. We're doing world building. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to act like this is like a, a sci-fi world that we're building up everything specific so people really believe in the reality of that situation. Cause and we no make them believe in knows. that. No one really knows the grind no. because besides the people who are actively working it right now. Yeah. And if you haven't worked those jobs in a while, it changes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's way different since the pandemic working yeah. in those workplaces too. There's universality in the specificity and so when we I, I think it's great when we have diversity on the mm-hmm. screen I think it's great if you have a Chinese character if you have a black character you have a Latino character but I want that to come from the what's natural to the story in a workplace in a kitchen you'll have people from all over the, the world you know so it makes sense in that way but I don't like it when an exec comes in and it's coming just from this comp- this machine thinking mm-hmm. and th- they have no actual interest in building a a liberatory culture, a diverse culture. In fact, they be firing the diversity, equity, and inclusion folks all over the entire. Constantly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They 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 don't give a damn. And they don't pay us. They don't pay us as much as our
1: white counterparts. Not at all. Not at all. They don't pay nobody. Let me ask you this. Before we move on to getting into you, you know, running for the board and stuff, for those people who haven't seen you in different platforms, can we just talk a little bit about where you're from, yeah. how you got. The reason why is I want people to get more insight in, into you yeah. so that the motherfuckers can go out there and vote for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That's why.
4: Well, I come from, you know, maybe a, an uncanny way to get into this business. Right. But I grew up very poor, you know, single mother in Florida. And when you are in you
1: that. Just, you straight out of moonlight. You just. <laughs> yeah, by, man. I'm straight just, out of just moonlight. you straight guy, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I even went to FSU like Barry Jenkins. And, you know, it's when you are in that kind of situation, and mm-hmm. we didn't even have TV a lot of time, we couldn't afford cable or anything. You right. have to use your imagination. Mm-hmm. I would always be writing stories for myself. I'd be writing stories of my life. The stuff I wasn't seeing on TV, I was right. writing that. I was imagining myself. And you know, of course, when you're a kid, you always dream of making it to Hollywood and making a big TV show you, but you never really expect it. But because I grew up the way I grew up, I always just wanted to make this world a better place. And my mom would you know, she trained us. She put that discipline maybe not the other disciplines (laughs) you know but the discipline of being good to people looking out for people solidarity you know we i would come home all the time and it'd be like i'd go to like make some food and there'd be no forks Mm. and she had given all the forks away to she this new, to like a new immigrant family that came I'm like mom we're poor we can't be we can't be like uh, you know the huxables that's or like it. you know we can't be given but she always she always would say that that comes back to you you know and I've seen it because my karma is good that's all yeah. I can say because I end up in the right place at the right time all the time oh. in my life <laughs> so I went off and I became a community organizer and you know really tried to build power for black folks build power for for poor folks, try to fight the climate crisis, and it made a lot of inroads. I I, I helped build the Green New Deal movement, that is, uh, you know, trying to. Mobilize the federal government and international governments to actually take the climate crisis seriously because mm-hmm. it's getting, we're getting hurricanes in LA now. I mean, this Bro. is starting to get a little wacky with it. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to take it seriously. We were able to pass climate, the biggest climate legislation in American history on a federal level, um, with uh, the Inflation Reduction Act on a state level where I was uh, with the New York uh, Green New Deal for New York. So I'm proud of that work. I worked with senators like Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey, Cory Booker. I worked with politicians like Charles booker Mm -hmm. um i did whatever i could and i I always was putting words in the mouths of others Mm. and it's that humility you're a ghostwriter you're just trying to pour that soul that you have felt on the streets and if you can get close to a person who has that megaphone to give them the words to put through that megaphone But, you know, you always get disappointed by people, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you always get disappointed by people. Even the politicians that are really smart, that you love, the system itself is is not trying to change the world. The system is mostly just trying to make money off of the system. Mm -hmm. And when you work in D.C., you see, wow, this is an industry. This is an industry and it's fairly depressing. So I started thinking, man. I think I've made as much change as I could in this political game. Mm-hmm. And there's so much filibustering and just gridlock that I thought maybe I could go to the culture and try to change the culture and try to you know lift up new voices in the culture and maybe that would ultimately change the political game. Right. Because what we've seen with this strike, the culture is less partisan. The culture's less isms and schisms, less blue or red team. The culture's just like, feel this. Yeah. Feel me right now. We're all human beings. Like We all go through the same struggles, and I think trying to work this, these messages through politicians, it, it's inherently polarizing. Mm-hmm. Even if they're great speakers, even if they're great politicians. I mean, you see how it is. It, Republicans and Democrats in this country, you can't agree on anything. I actually saw that the writer's strike is more universally popular than putting maple syrup on pancakes. That's how polarized America is right now. We can't agree on anything, but people are agreeing on this class struggle against the 1%, this battle of humanity against machines, workers, against the bosses, and and I'm really proud to have worked on a show like The Bear, which is about the working class. And it is diverse. Mm-hmm. And it's diverse without having to pat itself on the back. It's diverse like how life is diverse, like yeah. how work is diverse, how friend groups are diverse. Yeah. You know, and it's showing real life. What I liked about The Bear is like someone like Sydney, she doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with black women on the screen, we have to present them as like perfect mm-hmm. or then they're not allowed to be on the screen. No. But we all are allowed to have flaws. Mm-hmm. We're all allowed to make mistakes and grow and I think that's where we have to move her, towards in the her culture. Her character,
1: me, to me, is written as if she was one of the writers on the show. Yeah, well, that's... You know what I'm saying? Uh, exactly. Like, it's that on, on on the point for me. Exactly. exactly.
2: I think
3: what's interesting about her to talk about... I don't, I'm, I'm just going to keep going, I think, but like, she, because she's new to that space... Mm-hmm. It feels like she's like the staff writer on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like got ideas. She want to space out of
1: water. And, and, and that's how like, I felt.
3: Like, <laughs> we ain't got time for your ideas. You know, <laughs> <laughs> put them in a notebook and then we'll get to the. <laughs> and
4: I was right. always writing my notebook. Exactly. I was always, people always be like, what are you writing that notebook? I'm like, I'm just taking notes. <laughs> no, but that's, I was just trying <laughs> to learn. Right. And I was really trying to come from the humility of like, I was working with masters of their craft you know on the bear and i was bringing a lot of new ideas about what the culture could be and what we could be saying with it similar to sydney on the bear she has all these ideas of what restaurants could be and how we could change the culture of restaurants but also she don't know what she's doing half the time (laughs) you know and some of the mistakes like when she brought out that um that that, uh, that dish mm-hmm. and it was actually the critic. Right. Hey, it works out in the end, but also rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of young people resonate with that, especially in my generation. It's like, you want to change everything. You don't know how to change things. You make mistakes, sometimes they're good mistakes, right. sometimes they're bad mistakes <laughs> that screw up for the whole team. Um, like her mistake uh, in episode seven when she actually put the orders on, mm-hmm. all the takeout orders come on. But to still have sympathy and empathy for a young black person who's working through life and i think that we have to like allow ourselves to be flawed and to to see ourselves grow what i love about tv is that because it's season after season it's about aging tv is usually about growing it doesn't matter what the tv show is you know even if it's an animated show the characters grow Mm -hmm. season after season just like we do and i think in that way TV mirrors life, but I really resonated. Of all the characters on The Bear, I probably resonated the most with Sydney because I felt like that. I felt like someone just threw I me an apron that. and you
1: don't get like a training. <laughs> 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 I, that's what I was shocked by. Well, you you just heard, come in and you're just working, you know? I heard you even say. Um, you felt like you got through and thrown in, like as if you were right on the on the on the um, what do they call it in the a line cut, the line cut. Yeah, like, no, like absolutely. It was like boom. It's like they saw my resume. They're like,
4: all right, start. And right. they like, and, and I thought that you know people would explain this is how a room works. Right. So it was like, no, we're just moving. You yeah, know? it's
3: it's funny. It's like when you get into the show. And you work with veterans. Yeah. They kind of already know the rhythm of how it's supposed to exactly. be. Exactly. No. And you don't, you know. I mean, the, I And be, he wasn't in a room. He was in the room, worse. too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, like, I I think I can say this now about Picard, but uh, it's not something I knew to about a month in. Mm-hmm. On season two, they already had a season two room that was mm-hmm. going. And they stopped it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple people got let go. And then and, and then they brought in some new writers. So there was always, there was, there was already, like, a... a Kind of like a a frequency that the show yes, was working on a wavelength, and Ooh. then it's like you know Chris, Matt, and Jane get thrown into this thing, and we're like, what, wait, what? You know, and it's and, it's, and, it, and it, it wasn't their first show, yeah. My first show, mm-hmm. so you, so so you get in and you you have to spend a lot a lot of time trying to figure it out, observing and going, how does it work? And I don't want to put my foot in my mouth because is that going to be fire? Because mm-hmm. all the because all the stories you hear, yeah is you fuck up, you're fired. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing to tell my buddy the other day, this is what, this is what so many people I, I, in the industry, outside the industry don't know is your position is so tenuous. So tenuous. If I, f- you know, like, hire You're you always to- worried about being fired. Yeah. Always. Like, if I hire you to work as an attorney, <clears throat> I'm contract two year or three years, most jobs, like, you know, right. And unless um unless you steal from them, you know, you're not gonna get fired within a year. You know, yeah. you got a whole year for the performance to come yeah. up, and then you, and you can kind of figure out in a year. It's like that's not us, you yeah. know. And and that's, you're always walking
4: on eggshells, which is hard creatively because you need to be able to feel safe enough to yeah. pitch ideas that push a scene in a different direction push a character in a new and great shows i think create that psychological security for all the writers i always like working on show, and also every writer's room is totally different like mm-hmm. you're saying the frequency is totally Everyone. different you gotta hop on with it it's all about the showrunner mm-hmm. someone explained to me like you know the showrunner is a painter and all the writers especially staff writers you're like a different color of paint for the larger landscape right. for the larger portrait and you have to know what you're what your color is, what your paint color is. And you have to help the showrunner make this beautiful masterpiece. Yeah, it's like
1: figuring out your superpower in the room.
4: Exactly, yeah. or I would think about it a lot like basketball. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm not MJ in this room. I'm like <laughs> Steve Kerr, I'm like the white guy standing in the corner just waiting like, all right, when he passes me that ball, I'm shooting the three and I gotta get in or everybody's gonna get pissed. You I'm know? open, I'm open. I'm open, I'm open, <laughs> you know? And you just wait your turn. And it's a team, it's a team. And you have to understand where you fit in on the team. Um, but just like any team, like, if if you are on a basketball team and you're constantly worried about being traded, you know, your play is going to go down, yeah, you know? So yeah. I think having that psychological security is really important for young writers, black writers and everything or it it limits the creativity of the show. I think the bear, that first season, because nobody really thought it was going to be a giant show right. and because it wasn't that expectation. The vacuum of it, In yeah. the vacuum of it, it was like, fuck it. Like whatever, mm. whatever, whatever idea is best, throw it in the pot, and we'll mix it all up. Yeah. And you forget which idea was yours. Mm-hmm. And you kind of give each idea as a gift to the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of creates this, the multitudes of characters, the multitudes of scenes creates a lot of extra details mm-hmm. rather than being so scared to add another layer. It's like, no, let's keep adding layers to this scene. Let's keep adding layers to this character. So I think when we have healthy workplaces, it makes our art a lot better. Historically Hollywood's kind of operated with the idea oh, this has to be toxic, this has to be super competitive, super hierarchical to work. But I think it's a creative workplace. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, the showrunner is the painter, mm-hmm. but also like everyone should feel empowered to give their, to use their superpower in the room, and and hopefully not overshadow anybody else or, or stepping on any toes. But it's a delicate dance.
3: So all right, so let me ask you this real quick question before we get into the, the, the board stuff. So, so you have this desire to i want to work in something that allows me to to put an influence on the culture that I couldn't do in politics. So, well, I just, just wanna get like an idea. Um, yeah. Well, you know, what was the sample that you sent to just the about that. B- <laughs> that you sent to the beer and what was the showman meeting like? Well,
4: that was what was so bizarre about. That's why it was so bizarre that I, I quit my my job in politics and I just started writing. And my girl was just like, oh, my God, he's gone off the deep end. <laughs> you know, because it's like if you just leave everything behind, you mm-hmm. just are writing nonstop. Mm-hmm. Your first sample, your first screenplay, and you are just obsessed with it. It's mm-hmm. like the world you're living in mm-hmm. when you're really focused, when you're flowing. And it was a crazy thing to do looking back. You Let know? me ask you
1: something quick, 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 add this to it. When you think of yourself as a writer, yeah. how do you describe yourself as a writer? What like I mean? write underdog stories in the murder, death, kill world. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, who are you?
4: I think I write a lot of times even the bear flows into this as like institutionalized narratives if we're talking about like Save the Cat Mm -hmm. of like in some way the individual or the ensemble is trying to deal with this institution and trying to change it for the better or trying it's not to wire. lose your heart, mm. totally, totally. And even The Bear, it's this institution of Complete. a sandwich restaurant, but right. you have to change it in some way, so what conflict and tension. I think almost everything I end up writing is in that, and I can't help it, right. you know, I no, can't. whatever fine. Whatever, it's whatever it's show I'm working on, mm-hmm. I'll find an episode
0: that, that I'll that's
4: move it. into yeah. that. So I'm good at that because I think, you know, growing up in Florida, mm-hmm. I'm constantly fighting against this institution, I'm constantly trying, and working in. In politics or working in Hollywood, you're constantly not trying to sell out on right, your values. So right. I think that's the emotional journey that I'm always on. Um, but I wrote this uh, this pilot called Cotton Candy, and it was set in the not too distant future, mm-hmm. after like uprisings, like Black folks have won reparations. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is you. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Forty acres and a mule, right. but you had to go out west to like the you know like the national parks. They've like basically made it like land that Black folks can can apply wow, for. And yeah. she so had to go through the whole welfare system. Was it a half
1: hour or was it an hour?
4: It was an hour. Okay. It was an hour. Um, and we were adapting it for, or well, we were before the strike. We'll see what it's like mm-hmm. after the strike, but we were adapting it for a movie. Um, and so I wrote about like this individual that has like fought mm-hmm. for reparations in these uprisings. And now, it's like the dog catches the car. Right. But, of course, actually getting it is not Necessarily, as if it was promised, you know, <laughs> and the federal government's going to drag you through a bunch exactly. of bullshit on the you way. going to be less yeah. land, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you on whole with the, you on whole, you you waiting through the waiting music. You got to yeah. go to the office. You got to make your case. And so, it's really about that journey of trying to get that American dream mm-hmm. as a black person, but it always kind of being a, a tainted dream, you mm-hmm. know. And ultimately, individual too. It's like you get your forty acres but the world's still falling apart all around you. You know, you you can't farm on this land because there's climate change going on, mm-hmm. there's an apocalypse, so we finally, we finally won our freedom right at the end of the world. <laughs> That's kind of what the idea of the, the, of the show is, and mm-hmm. so the only way to really have real freedom is to build together, is ultimately the message of that project, so I wrote it pretty, pretty out there idea, you know what I'm saying? Not what they would tell you in school would be like straight down the middle is gonna get you staffed, so I had worked as a director's assistant years ago for director jesse peretz on like girls and glow and shrill mm-hmm. so i had met some people and his manager i met him once he was like hey if you ever have a screenplay send it over to me i'll read it i was like okay so mm-hmm. when i finished it i sent it around to some of my people that i knew mm-hmm. and you know jacob epstein who has become my manager he read it same day he called me up he was like this is great i was like oh you think so he's like do you want to make this i was like uh i mean bro i'm like let's go i mean sure i'm like in my tiny apartment like yeah man i got no job so if you can get me money from this i'm down and within the week and it's just one of those underdog stories within the week he had reached out to Shaka King oh, Chaka, who had just come yeah. off uh, Shaka's the man he had just come off Judas and Black Messiah so he had that shout out to Shaka What's shout that? out to Shaka we love you and, and Shaka like, he kind of made me cause he had this you mean with Brandon yeah Brandon yeah, yeah Brandon, Brandon. and they were my they were my producers on yeah. this pilot it, uh, unfortunately it, it was like in development with mm-hmm. FX and then eventually it got let go yeah. you know it was a little too as much they
1: do. as they do Chris and I have been there yeah,
4: yeah. God, it was a little too much for them yeah. uh, I didn't know how to hide you know I've, I've learned that you have to hide <laughs> your premise in some ways yeah. you have to give them what they want to hear yeah. I would just be like yeah it's about reparations and exactly. all this stuff yeah. like yeah don't we need, we need to see that and they're like no, <laughs> no we don't, I don't know about that homie um, But yeah and, and so Shaka had this First look deal With FX That he had just signed So mm-hmm. I was the first Project that he tried To get made there And that's what Got me connected to You know Within like Two or three weeks Of meeting with Shaka And when I met with Shaka Same day when mm-hmm. we met He was like Let's do this and I didn't get any money from it. It was all shopping agreements. You know how yeah. it is. Free work. There, but, you know, <laughs> I'm young. I'm like, okay, man, I'm yeah. about to be rich, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe this. I got the manager for it. <laughs> if it comes. <laughs> if it comes. If come. You know, that's the thing. But I didn't know that at yeah, the time. Yeah. But I did get this meeting with the show, with the showrunners of the Bear, Joanna Kahlo. I met with her and they had already written the first episode they were in the process of writing the second episode so the room had already begun
2: already
1: be,
4: okay. so mm. they were just looking for some extra spice basically and they really liked the sample and they that's liked that's you <laughs> that's me oh if you ca- I'm like curry <laughs> you know maybe too much spice a little like cayenne you know I'm like ghost pepper sometimes so I gotta, you gotta cut it you know uh, but yeah um, I just t- talked to Joanna like an organizer you know and I just tried I read the script for the bear and I just tried to look at each character as a human being mm-hmm. that I could meet, and I talked about you know Sydney of course, but I also talked about Richie, you know, mm-hmm. like the white I guy, and I love Richie. I was like, I'm excited, especially right where from. he's went, exactly. Oh and that's God. always the idea yes. of like take this guy who starts off like an unlikable antagonist mm-hmm. and show his humanity and why he needs this restaurant, right. why the restaurant represents his his friend mm-hmm. and his community and the only thing he has left in a, a life that's very lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 push to make to humanize everybody and right. see everybody and you know work up to this point at the end of the season i remember we talked about this in the interview that sydney and richie would have a big like fight mm. and i wanted us to work up to the point that you kind of see it from both angles you know mm. yeah you rooting for bo- you don't know who to root for right, and right. i think that's the best kind of scene you know when you build up over the course of a season this big conflict and you build up each person's humanity so just like if they were your friends and you were they were fighting in the workplace you wouldn't know who to break into like support because you're like yo i see it from both sides and that's the human struggle that's real tension in our lives that i experience with my homies all the time so i think that that was what got them really interested in me that because i had met so many people in organizing i could like have a little piece of so many folks because i would be in iowa organizing with farmers and everything Mm -hmm. you know so it's not just like you don't want to just pigeonhole yourself as a black writer of like i'm just going to write the black characters no No, we can write we contain multitudes we We live
1: in a white world of course yeah we we live in a
4: white world bro i'm from florida i can write i can write richie like that you know so it was a very fast um you know that scene in um 2001 a space odyssey where it's like um it's like moving through the hyper loop, oh, or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and like yeah, everything's yeah. just that's how it felt, you oh, know. Yeah. I was like, I was like, ah, <laughs> I'm like, this is good, what's happening. I'm somehow breaking through the matrix and right. getting a Hollywood career, but I didn't understand anything that was going on. Mm. I was scared. In that success, I wasn't in the union yet. Mm-hmm. So I was still on Medicaid. I was mm-hmm. still living like a poor dude in, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. And so it takes a while, I'm sure y'all know, for the success to catch up with wh- what you're doing in your career. Couple shows. Yeah, a couple shows yeah. usually. And you have to keep up the appearance, mm-hmm. you had to keep up, you had to come to work, not just like looking the part, but yeah. this isn't the type of job that you can like take a day off at work, <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta be there and yeah. it is intense yeah. every single day of yeah. the week you are using every inch of your mind to create from nothing and it's even story. harder on zoom well, that's what i want to say oh I, yeah
3: I, on zoom you know because because i think we did like a couple months on zoom and then my showrunner was like fuck this we gotta come in yeah in person right. put the masks on we're gonna do that shit mm-hmm. because and 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 it was all zoom on the equalizer it's mm-hmm. hard because there's no downtime. It's just mm-hmm. on the whole time, yes. and it's like there's and there's rhythms in the mm-hmm. room where you've kind of pushed an idea to the point of okay, we're good with that there. And in person, you can go okay, let's just take a break for a minute, come back and go mm-hmm. some food and run to your office. But in Zoom, you don't do that. You know, you're like okay, next point. Yeah. What's up is on the board. Go up, go, go go. It's this. It's, it's, awful. it's this. It's this awful. I, I don't think there's any job that most people are... I mean, there's probably a lot of others, you, but you're on always. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, you can kind of, like, drop out for a second or two, like, someone's talking. Yeah, you talking, can't be on long, though. You're going to look no, crazy. No, I'm, not, yeah. saying, I'm, not, yeah. saying I'm right. not saying leave the room. I'm not saying leave the Zoom. I'm saying, like, uh, someone's talking, you can sit back and listen for a few minutes, right. you know? But you got to listen to be active in the room the mm-hmm. whole time. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, even if you were, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, driving, like, a, um, you know, like, you know, a guy who's driving the UPS truck, you know? Right. He's not Thinking about when he when he's driving between stops, he's kind of relaxing right Zoning out you know? can zone out a little zone bit. Zone out yeah. put on his podcast, whatever the fuck he wants yeah. to do. You can't do that.
1: Yeah. What, what was your thing you had, Chris, when you were in your first room? You were like you were trying to do like one picture day. What was that? One oh, day? oh, okay. So I you know
3: what I had a thing where I was like saying if like like if I could just say one idea that made it to the board every mm. day, you know? I mean like that was my goal. Um, you know, and I was, you know, I remember a buddy of mine was
1: like, "This is a g- and a staff writer, you'd be good to get one a week." Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. That's good.
3: No, I mean it was. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is that you know, but my buddy is big time showrunner, like behind foundations and like that. Yeah. Like he said, "Look, that's a noble goal to have, but you just can't talk to talk. You know, mm. make sure it's strategic. So whatever you say that you that you like, hey, here's the idea that I want to have sit like wind, like like wind for me today." Right you know be careful what that is you know Mm -hmm. this is Uh, what
4: i would do this like i would try to focus on first off like lifting up other people's ideas and helping them get on the show echoing Mm -hmm. and then like building upon it because sometimes the pitch is not necessarily like ready you right. know and you can hear and you'd be like oh there's something there mm-hmm. and you don't want to let something like that die out when it's like if you just added something to it rather than like oh i need to get my own idea on right. there but it's like yo let me and this also makes you more <laughs> more likable to all Absolutely. your coworkers. and then when i would pitch my own thing It'd be a big swing. They'd always laugh because it'd always be a big <laughs> swing. You know, it's like, what if we did something completely different? So a spaceship comes
1: down. No, But see,
3: the, the, like the thing that so so look, the thing you're saying is is the fucking yes and. You have to mm-hmm. yes and. Yeah, you have to yes and everything, particularly when you're young, because no one expects you to to be. You, I mean, it's it's rare that you are going to script. You
1: know, mm-hmm. I mean, I felt
3: lucky that I got one. But especially you, when you only got eight
1: episodes, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. so
3: rare. So you say to yourself, I, like "You said I just got to contribute." And the thing that would always burn me, um, it's not burn me, but I, like an, an internal burn was, I would say, "Okay, I got what I want to say right now that I know is going to get on the board," yeah. and then someone else to say it ahead of time. And I was like,
1: "Fuck, yeah, that's yeah." Now yeah. I gotta
3: wait. I, yeah. So now I gotta find. And I'm not like, I'm not not participating. But you gotta like say to yourself. But the cool thing about that is that's always validation of... You're in the frequency of the show. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of what you're in the same spot, and because of the there wasn't really like a hierarchical nature in those Picard rooms per se. But when I was first on the thing, I wasn't used to being in the environment of pitching with that many people. Yeah. So and you have to learn to play that game, so you're not just stepping on people mm-hmm. yeah. who who have been there for a while, because then you look like an asshole. Yeah. You know. So there's this whole thing that's just again that's the training that you don't it's get about you know? the, cultures, the, the learn, culture. It's the the culture of the room,
4: and that's something big that if I get on board. I, you know, it, There's a lot of things I want to do, but the number one thing is education. Mm-hmm. And I know you're really involved in the education of it all. You
1: gotta come into the education committee with me.
4: Sure. I'm, I'm there, you yeah. tell me when, as, tell me when. As soon as we're done with this yeah, shit, th- we'll be Yeah, back. exactly, yeah, and I'll I'm, I'm you there. will call you in, you'll be in. I, I think that's so important. You know, We talk a lot about like how to increase diversity in right. the Guild, or increase diversity in Hollywood. I think it always comes back down to education. Because you can get educated on how to write an incredible script. You can read every book, but, it's a whole different beast educated on the culture, how to pitch, yep. how to work your way up. What is the, what is, these little nuances that you only usually yep. learn from experience. How do you pitch as a staff writer versus a story editor versus the, executive the, the story, the story editor? Versus a co-producer. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, look, look, I will tell you, you know, like, almost every, but I'm not sure if you've had this experience or not, but I, but I remember, I would say at least 80, to 85% of the black writers told me when I was, uh, that first season of track, they're not going to bring you back. And if, and if they do happen to bring you back, then you're going to repeat. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what, they that was the refrain from everybody. Yeah. And I kept saying to myself. Because so you were in
1: this panic for a minute.
3: Uh, yeah, I yeah. totally was. I yeah. totally, be you know, because the thing is, it, it, is that no one tells you what you need to do to yeah. To, yeah. To, to, to earn the right, for they're going to bring you back. And the thing is, it has to do with education. It's like you don't necessarily know. You just don't know, and it's different. It's different for everybody, because you know. I mean, look for me. The situation was weird. It was like it was in the pandemic. You know, there was this scripts were getting thrown out by the network. There was that moment where they mm-hmm. were like, "Hey, you know, the contract's up, and we're gonna send you, th- and we're gonna send you ten weeks, week to week." And it's just like, okay, so what does all this mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 and, and like, there was a weird spot because like nobody. Could, had experience in the pandemic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most people I know were like reps don't even know re- reps don't saying. know. Yeah. and yeah. And, yeah. and most people I know who were higher ups, like were like, oh, they extended you for how many weeks now? You're you're on your eight week of extension. Right. I mean, it was just things that people didn't know, mm-hmm. and so to me, I was totally panicking. I mean, and I was telling some of the story the day. It was like, you know, I remember uh, we were sitting there, we were we were shooting season two. We were trying to figure out some bullshit with the with the. They were
1: at Their rooms were right by the stage. Yeah, the right, they're right Which by the stage. is rare. So, mm-hmm. so we were
3: right. so we're shooting season two, <clears throat> and I you know I remember coming back from the stage, and we were talking about okay so what are we going to talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, brought your lunch and I remember that um, Akiva was like let's talk about season three right now, you know <laughs> <and> I was <laughs> like. We ain't even done with season two yet. We are still trying to figure out nine and ten. What the hell are you talking exactly. about? And he's just talking and talking and then I was like, Okay, I'm a little lost right now. So I so then I had to get on the phone and call my I called Joe Wilson. Mm-hmm. Said, Joe, I'm fucking concerned. I don't know what's going on. He they just said we're talking about season three right now. We just mm-hmm. threw out some ideas. And then and then he said, dude Don't bring up nothing, right? No, 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 no. He <laughs> said, dude, kick back, pop the champagne. <laughs> they can't Talk to you about. I can't, they can't have you in the room. About, yeah. They can't. They can't have you in the room talking about season three ideas unless you're part of that staff.
2: Yeah, but I heard a
3: lot of staff writers get screwed that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, right. cool. And then I was like, so then I had to go up to my boss and said, Terry, so what's going on? He was, oh, you're, you. Of course you're coming back. Yeah, of course you're coming back. <laughs> but then the next. Pay, but then the next paycheck came. And it still was staff writer yeah. money. And I was like, what the fuck? I, and I remember, I, I remember, I remember I hit, a, for it. I remember, I, I remember I, the minute I check came, I hit a damn, and I said, man, what the fuck do I need to do to get the damn the next bump? And, and he was like, dude, that's up to your people to talk that through. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then next thing I know, I realized, oh, the checks were three weeks. They're ahead. They're ahead. Yeah. So then two weeks later into the room the check the check came for the first season three check came. Oh and it said story editor on it. And I was like, Okay. There's a big
1: difference in the number
3: (laughs) of big difference. But but the thing is that they didn't tell me. Yeah. There was no one who told me. They just like, Oh, you're in the staff. You're I mean the thing the thing that I realized was for Terry. It was like if you're coming back, of course you're getting the bump.
2: Mm-hmm. There's no way I would never right. like make you repeat. Right.
3: So again, it's that thing that you don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is one of the guys who really understands what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was, same thing with the guy Matt Okamura, who was the he was the executive story editor. Mm-hmm. He came back and he got a <laughs> bump in the middle of the season. Like he went from
1: they usually have to negotiate that first.
3: I did. De- yeah, he talked with Terry about that, and yeah. you know, and it was and it was all on Terry because it's a story that Matt's right. on Twitter. Like ter- Terry fought for that, okay. you know, and it's like, oh, you got to have guys who you're, again the showrunner who are mm-hmm. in your corner, mm-hmm. who want to see you succeed, who who don't play the well, you came in as a diversity hire, blah, blah, blah. No, not that I did, but they can always use that as a reason why they don't want you, mm-hmm. you know? so. It's, but there's all these things that you don't know. Soft skills yeah, and that, everything. You, yeah. Soft skills, and it's your worry. I mean, and literally, I was, like, freaking the fuck out because I was yeah. like, God damn it, like, if I'm, like, A, am I coming back, you know? And I was in this weird position. It's just, like, there's so many things, like, in the mental health, the sense of, like, the psychology of it all that you have to kind of, like, mm-hmm. consider, and then I was, and and was, like you said earlier, you just got to be cool.
2: Yeah. You just got to cool, be cool. Because if you're
3: cool, <laughs> if you're cool, they think you're cool. Exactly. You know yeah. you think you're People cool, want to hire back cool people. They exactly. Like, back. like sure. I will never forget, I was talking with Sean Tretta, um, this was after the show, and we were, the uh, first time I met his wife, we were at the picket yeah. line, and he was saying, yeah, yeah, I remember when I first came in to Mick Crest. And uh, he was – I thought he was the coolest dude. He was sitting there in the room with, with sunglasses on and a hoodie up and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, granted, I had eye surgery that day. <laughs> you just play it out. So, so Take I it. Ha- so I had to have – Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he, was, well, he was pulling he was, a Malcolm Spellman on yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's this thing. But I was like, oh. And the thing is he says never, they, they, they don't tell you. That yeah. There's yeah. this weird culture of everything. but its But you have to kind of like – yeah, education on that is a lot because I kept saying to myself, once I got back, I kept saying to myself, <clears throat> what do other people do that that mm-hmm. they, so they don't get yeah. get brought back? What, you know, well,
1: are the things that you don't do, you speak, know? Speaking of going back, so we're talking about mental health. What happened for you, if you don't mind, yeah. that you couldn't go back season two?
4: I mean, that season one mm-hmm. was triggering as hell mm-hmm. and it was so fast paced right. and I wasn't making much money. Sure. So I mean, ultimately, it, I need to make more
1: money for one. Right.
4: than, you were know, they, were
1: they talking about a bump at all? Were they? Just I, wanna, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to put any of that okay, stuff out okay.
4: there for because you know I I want to be respectful I get it, and everything. I get it. But because I'm still I'm still young, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Understand. But it's I, a great show. So. It's a great show. I have total respect for them. But I had to go. I had to go. There was both some some more money for me mm-hmm. somewhere else, and then this this sample that had gone on. Um, Cotton Candy Cotton Candy there was a really great producer and really great studio that came to me after the bear got really big and he was like yo do you realize what this means for you I was like what do, you, what do you mean he's like Where, where's cotton candy mm-hmm. i'm like oh everybody said no on that bro like we <laughs> took that to every network every exactly. studio and everybody said hell no <laughs> but, it,
3: but it changed because you've changed because you're on the hit show that's what he told me he exactly. said now
4: it's not just alex o'keefe who the hell okay, is this guy yeah. it's alex o'keefe yep. parentheses the bear yep and so you can use that right now yep. but you got to use it right now so emmy nominated writer yeah exactly on, yep. so i mean that that changed the equation a lot and so i got the opportunity and it's kind of a betting on yourself type thing he said all right if you want to if you still want this we can't make it as a tv show you know because show being a showrunner is a whole different gi- gi- uh, gig you know and then you yo, know, young people it's hard to be a showrunner. i was the whole time i was like i don't know if i want this gig because <laughs> i was i was seeing how it was for chris and joanna i was yeah. like this is a lot, cr- a lot bro. this is a lot it's not like a it's not a like bougie like you just chilling like no you are the hardest working person i believe as a showrunner and you have to know quick you have to have quick decision making skills and know everything so he was like yeah if you want to make this as a as a movie you know write it and like i said it's like the best studio you could possibly ask for you know so i said okay if they want me Uh, but this was before the strike you know and unfortunately well it's giving you a chance to write it now yeah exactly i know but i'm doing all this campaigning and all this stuff and i need to be writing more you know I, i that's my goal um after the election starts after the voting starts this week i need to take some time to actually write this because yeah, I mean so ultimately it's a betting on yourself. And you know, financially, <laughs> I don't know if it was the right it's decision. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I, mean but I had to. You had to take those kind of opportunities because you don't want to live in regret of like, yo, if I had just taken yeah. that. But I don't know what will happen with me in the future of the bear. I love the team. I love the show. Uh I would love to see the show. Get more into labor now that everyone's into the strike (laughs) Mm -hmm. and everything. That crew on the bear, the 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 team and the show should definitely unionize, you know, because the working conditions are crazy. Bro,
1: what richie's did when he went to work for a week and come back Mm -hmm. on the show is like, I mean, now they're like a real freaking wrestler. Yeah, I learned so much. I was like, holy shit. Yeah,
4: yeah, it's beautiful.
3: Here's the thing you said about the choices. You know, the money choice. I mean, that was there was. You, you always have to kind of make that equation. And you said, you know, you're saying to yourself, you know, are you, you, you worry about, are you selling out your values, you know? Because a lot of stuff that you think about when you're making choices is, you always got to think, at least for me, part of the equation is, can I perform well in that situation? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, is like, like, does this show speak to me? You know, it's not just the money, you know, the money could be more, you know, I, I mean, it was something I had to think about, you know, like to move, because a, a lot of people looked at me crazy, like, mm-hmm. why are you jumping from Star Trek to The Equalizer? Like, that doesn't, that's, like, what's the, the, the
1: choice on Uh that? Network you know? money. Well, <laughs> no, so, okay, sh- so
3: there was multiple things on mm-hmm. the you know, choices on that. But I, I Part of the part of the equation was, yes, the money, was right. going to be more. You, you know? wanted
1: to work with Joe. I wanted yeah. to work with Joe Wilson. Yeah.
3: You know, I knew from the beautiful time we had in the third season of picard mm-hmm. and and everyone it, it, like it's one thing to hear about oh it's showrunner driven showrunner top down the room blah 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 you don't know necessarily what that means right. in the abstract till you till you've been in it and you know what it's like when someone is really good and then you're like oh you know what if the if if the guy who i got to work with or the girl i got to work with I get, I get along with them and i understand their personality, so they're not they're not going to hire assholes yeah. then it's like okay that's going to like mm-hmm. that at that point in my life at this point in my life that you know like that you know was like like the value on that raised higher mm-hmm. cuz i was like oh and i know this type of show that it is i watch the show i can write that show it's not like i'm trying mm-hmm. to write something you know like spin city or right. something that i got i i don't know how to do very well mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, I can do this because. And also, I was like, oh, these shows were the bread and butter for forty years. Right. They're sort of disappearing. It'd be cool to have <coughs> this experience on my belt mm-hmm. to understand what it is that that every, made television what it is that we know. Mm-hmm. Rockford Files on up to fucking now, yeah. and I and I learned so much on that show about how to break story about mm-hmm. how you burn through it just uh, so many things I th- that I've been able to take to stuff in the current stuff that I'm working on mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that I didn't learn that on Star Trek because I learned a lot I learned I learned different things sure. on skill set you know the, like like this ability to see the whole episode I and mean, two guys the two number the two guys, two and that they, they sit there and look at the board and go oh you know what we need and I just was like, how the fuck do you do that? And I just, know, yeah, that's just, amazing. And I was like, okay, that's like, and it was, and it made me want to think about how do you get there? Exactly, how you, like, exactly. How do you get there in the thing? But but it's, so it's a whole different skill set, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that's a different show. It's like we're doing a fan-favorite show, a fan-favorite final season. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's this perfect storm of shit. You know, we all like a Star Trek. And I was kind of like, that won't come around again. You know, yeah. it just won't come around again. We go. I, I, I don't care how good the show is, the, the staff was great. The staff of this show, the staff was all fans of the show. <laughs> it was all the kind of shit that is like, oh, how do you? So to me, I was like, what's the move that is going to be good for me financially? It's going to teach me a lot. Yeah, you know, because yeah. exactly the, because as as much as I've done, as many movies as I've written have been have been burned on and kicked mm-hmm. out of, whatever fuck it is, it's like. I still, what keeps me going, like Earl was telling you about what's the thing that keeps you going, is I get to learn stuff all the time. Yeah. That is so important to me. Yeah. You know? So that's probably what. You, that's so important to me.
4: Like after The Bear, I worked, it was a mini room, and I, I, unfortunately, I don't think the show's ever going to see the light today, but it was based on my favorite book. Um, and it's like the 70s, Jamaica,
1: a bunch oh, of. Oh, you worked on that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do that that story forever. I and
4: uh, Hollywood's been trying to do it forever oh, and the, they, and there's been the a couple of seven killings. The seven seven killings yeah, yeah. And it's been, there's been a couple different mini rooms for yeah. this and so I knew it was kind listen of to,
1: even just listen to the book. It's fucking dope.
4: It's crazy. It dope. And you just think, man, if you could crack that, mm-hmm. then that would just be epic, you know? And I thought when I was when I started, when I quit my job, mm-hmm. I wrote down and I swear to god, I wrote down like 3 projects that I really want to work on. And one was Cotton Candy. Mm-hmm. One was brief history of seven really? killings if they made it. And then one was like something about the working class. Okay. So I was just like, yo, I'm just like <laughs> I need. To, I manifested it this far, <laughs> so I'm like if, when my, I didn't even know they were producing that as a TV right. show. So I was like, they've Well, tried, like, for, they've for tried years. For years they've years. been trying. So I thought, okay, if they want me on and they gave me a good position on and they gave me good money and they paid for me to come out to LA. Okay. So I figured once I come out to LA, then I can get a lot more. I they brought you out. That they brought me out. They pay, Netflix pay for it all. You know. Wow. And oh, so Netflix now. Ne- well, it, uh, what, it it's a mini. It? Well, well, I don't think I don't think it will yeah, ever.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I hope no, so. But no, but because like.
4: the Subject matter is so it's so uh, it's like about the CIA, you know, destabilizing Jamaica yeah. and then trying to assassinate Bob Marley.
2: Yeah,
4: and it's like the so. story of Bob Marley's Jamaica, but Bob Marley's it's like the gospel of Bob Marley. He's mm-hmm. like he's like this distant figure mm-hmm. in everyone's life. So that to they me call was him
1: the singer or something. The like singer,
4: yeah. So that was so <clears throat> interesting. Melina Matsoukas was set to I'm direct everything. Okay. And she's Damn. incredible. And you know, you just listen. I was just listening so much. Much like reggaeton, Mm -hmm. reggae, and And, everything—that's me. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, "Yo, this is a vibe," and and it has not. I think that the showrunners they ran the bare room really well. Mm -hmm. I have have nothing against them, and like they even if we would finish an episode early, it wasn't like all right, on to the next episode. It was like all right, everybody take a break. And I think that's how you have to do when it's subject matter like that. But you know, I just wanted to to do something that felt like it was from black culture. Mm you know and just feel like it was a lot of Jamaicans in the room right. so it was really exciting to me and I'm glad because I'm in LA now right. and I wouldn't have been in LA otherwise
3: see it's because like a few years ago it was over at Amazon and
1: then and yeah. you know yeah. And, yeah. Then yeah. A few,
3: and a few years yeah. before that it was over HBO yeah, yeah. And they've been like, trying to make it's it it's like yeah.
1: it's weird remember, remember it, they were going up against me and Selwyn yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah we, we yeah. have another radio show yeah. yeah. we were yeah. doing yeah. really I mean, yeah, yeah
3: it's, it's interesting I mean there's another book that Marlon did I can't remember this other book the African thing the wolf and the
4: oh yeah yeah, the the, the Red Wolf. Yeah, Red Wolf and the yeah, White Leopards. Yeah, something
3: yeah. like that. It's like Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan, I think, got that right now. Yeah, it's one of these things where i that's a story that maybe, you know, it's too bad that Tyler Perry didn't get a chance to get, you know, didn't get to buy BET. Yeah. Because it's kind of like you need someone like that to yeah. say, okay, look, I know I don't have the reputation, mm-hmm. but I'm going to roll you all out like 70 million yeah. dollars to do this thing yeah. for like, yeah. you, he
1: would probably hire somebody with some yeah. capacity and they would do, do it, it
3: you know because I'm sure one of those th- I'm sure at every place he's been at mm-hmm. there's some sort of like demon on the shoulder from the yeah. execs like oh, we want to do this show right. but he's but, you know You know, no, the the
4: notes. You know, it's you know they're careful about how they present the CIA and all that sort of thing. And for that sort of project, you kind of have to pursue the truth. Bro, and we (coughs) interview Jamaicans who were there, and that's what we were trying to do. But of course, if you're a gigantic corporation, Mm -hmm. you know you have different incentives than just making the best creative project. So, you know, I think. We, we tried our best, but it's a very difficult show to adapt. It's a very difficult b- book to adapt, but mm-hmm. that's like my it's favorite book. And it's, it's not, not, that's the, the biggest is. issue. The oh, bear yeah. we could take risk mm-hmm. because it all took place in the first season, at least, yeah. it all took place in one location. Right. This one's not cheap. There's not like a production. Culture in Jamaica, so you have to bring people you to, from. You have to build it. You have yeah, to build. You see, so, yeah. I
3: always find that is those are excuses everyone brings. You know why? Because you look at a show like yeah, Because you, you look at a show like Citadel, mm-hmm. which they shoot the season like two or three times. Right. They have the money to burn or something they want to do. Yeah, yeah. This, is this question about do they want to do that show? And it's yeah. like, and I feel like there's this tickle. I mean,
1: like you know, I think we I, need to do it in. Co with like Britain or well, I like mean, but animation. you know,
3: not Britain doesn't look bad either. So it's yeah. all about who wants to look bad. Yeah, like, yeah. who's going to let themselves look bad? That no is one's going to do that. You know, yeah. I mean, like there's a story that I've, I've been trying to do for years. <clears throat> um, so this uh, Kermit Roosevelt, I want to say the nephew of Theodore Roosevelt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was behind the assassination or the, the overthrow, the overthrow. Of Mossadegh in Iran Right mm. And it's like That's the story They're not going to tell Because it shows to say Exactly You know Destabilizing a government Doing all this kind of exactly. quick Crazy ass right. shit and, and And the worst thing About that story Is like Kind of unlike the, 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 the story in Jamaica Is The The, the move Top. they did In the early 50s Came back to bite them In the ass in 79 Yeah So it's like Oh you can't So it's like This double whammy thing That Ooh. you know you're, They're never going to mm let someone like really do it unless the Iranians do it yeah <laughs> do they have the money to do it? so it's this is weird thing. the other thing is like just
4: Bob Marley this is what like the for the powers that be do so well they take someone who was like a revolutionary right. and then they reduce them to like none of their none of what they were actually singing about right so a lot this generation they know Bob Marley oh that's the dude who smokes lots of weed right? right and that's all they know about Bob exactly. Marley while Bob Marley was out here leading a, like an African revolution, Zimbabwe, Jamaica, mm-hmm. taking, like, pushing out the, Ethiopia, pushing out the, Pol- Ethiopia, Pol- pushing out the colonizers, right. and, and putting power in the hands of the people, and then the people were sharing in the wealth, the natural wealth of their country, the, these minerals that had been extracted since slavery had started, they were now sharing in it and right. building, but moving away mm-hmm. from these crime, and the, the CIA mm-hmm. was then feeding weapons into these countries, into the gangs, mm-hmm. And in Jamaica, the political parties each had their own gang. On both sides. On both sides, sides. each had their own gangs. Weaponized gangs. You know what I'm saying?
3: It sounds like Haiti of today. Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) yeah. I mean, mean, look, you know, because it's like, I kind of think like.
1: Before Crips and uh, uh, Blast. Yeah, before. That's the OG. That's what we said, the blueprint. Two things about
3: it. It Mm. One is like, you you know, they always make it when there's like the CIA is trying to do like these kind of bad works you know Mm. which we know they do but it's like, like that's always portrayed as like some rogue element within the that, CIA, that, and that's what they you know, tried so much to portray the, the, it like with yeah, Netflix. Yeah, to be it's honest. like yeah, it's like well, it's not really the people at the top. It's like no, no, no. no. This whole right. thing with of Deck, it's like
1: those guys all knew this yeah. is because it's what all, they do. I mean, it's, it's even even the Snowfall, they made him more rogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and they and and always they pushed
4: rogue. that. That was what they kept pushing. Yeah. And the Jamaicans in the room were like, "This was not a rogue." Right. But ultimately and they had CIA, like ex-CIA consultants and everything. Well, this is how it happened like well yeah of course they're gonna say that <laughs> like they don't want to look bad so i found that really frustrating but that to me was like a story that needs to be told and when i really started doing the research on it some of this stuff it almost made me believe in ja i think i became a Rasta by the end of that you know i was like ja is good you know and because like bob marley he had this big concert plan to mm. unite the yep. gangs and the political parties of jamaica yep. smile jamaica and he, the like the night before the concert basically they came in to assassinate him and they shot his on his compound yeah Uh on his compound and the baddest gangster in jamaica had bar marley dead to rights had gunpoint to Bob Marley's head. Mm-hmm. And Bob Marley had already been shot in the gut. Yeah. But Bob had had a premonition early that la- night. His his band says and he knew something was coming. And so he got him very like meditative that day. And he was just looking up at the sky. He was saying,
2: "Jah Rastafari. Really? Jah
4: Rastafari." And he was looking the gangster in the eye. "Jah Rastafari." And the gangster couldn't shoot him. He was like, Damn. "Oh, fuck." So he left and the sky. he was like, what the hell man you had him he was like yo i'm not fucking with that i don't know what was going on there was something missing that's some voodoo shit yeah that's some voodoo i'm not getting that shit on me bro and then bob marley with the he got the bullets removed and then he came to the concert the next night night, and he showed everybody his wounds like jesus christ and then sang his ass off sang his ass off and you can watch it and you can watch this on video he brought together basically like
1: yeah, do- he grabbed them. They did the, the yeah. He yeah. brought together basically yeah.
4: like the Republican and Democratic yeah. Party of Jamaica, like Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden, but they all yeah. have like gangsters right. with them, and he brought them on stage to do a handshake. And when they shook hands, and this is on video, I lightning struck. <laughs> I was watching this. I was like, "Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what! I don't know what this yeah, world is." So yeah. I felt so like spiritually mm-hmm. drawn to it, and I was going through a lot of decolonization work and getting more connected to my ancestors and mm-hmm. trying to figure out where I where I, my my family's from before slavery and everything. Crayon. So those legacies they're really hard to make entertaining, but I think that book makes it like a Tarantino movie. Oh, and definitely. Ultimately like everything that I make, I wanna take something that Everyone says, "Oh, you can't talk about that." Like with the bear, FX was like, "This is a show about a guy who commits suicide, and then his his brother takes on the worst restaurant ever, and it's a comedy." Like, what's funny about this? We were like, "It's hilarious." I don't know. I'm laughing. And there's dark
1: comedy, dark comedy,
4: and it's it's Emmy nominated for the comedy now. But you know, I think that you take these dark subjects that everyone says, "Oh, you can't make a show about that," and I like to say, "Actually, you can." Same thing with reparations and everything. Mm -hmm. To me, just like institutionalized things i like to take those challenges that people say there's nothing entertaining about this you can't right. joke about this and make it funny because mm-hmm. i think even that makes stuff so hilarious when mm-hmm. you can find the jokes in it so you well know, you know so,
3: you know talking about this thinking about this, thinking about this might it might be a new thin ice is that we're in a like we're in an age right now where there has been like, you know, I think it's in the last 10, 12 years, the word like, you know, like trigger warnings has become popularized. Mm -hmm. And this thing about protecting people from Mm -hmm. the harsh realities of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, like, like, so people have been, I I, I think people have been coddled a little bit in terms of what they, you know, are used to dealing with. So when you come up with these ideas that people (laughs) say you can't do that. They're thinking about what is going to be, so, you know, socially palatable. Exactly. Right? But I, you know, but like all the really good art stuff is like kind of push people. It's made mm-hmm. people very upset. Right. You know, there's a very... I, I remember I wanted to do this documentary on... An artists who caused a controversy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, it's just like, it kind of a broad thing, but I was like, oh, you know, he this big thing with Orson Welles and blah, blah, blah. And I, but the thing that kicked me off was um, Stravinsky, <laughs> when Stravinsky first did the right, when he first performed the Rite of Spring in Paris, mm-hmm. there was like a riot broke out at yeah. the concert hall, you know? And it's like, that's what our you do, and I served someone like saw that fucking the score for they were like, Oh, motherfucker, I go, you can't do this. You shit. No way, no way. Like, motherfucker, I'm doing it, I'm this. doing it. fuck yeah. All y'all, I'm doing this. And, and it's and just th- notes on the page, yeah, it's right. notes right. on the page. So that's what you want to do, and then, and then you deal with the corporations are like, What's gonna be our money? And I was thinking about the other day, I was like, Yeah, I'm always worrying about like these boycotts. And shit. I'm, I'm like, When was the last time anybody like boycotted a show? They got the show canceled.
1: Yeah, they don't need to. They just you know, do it on Twitter. Yeah, no, and but the, but
3: did it? No, the shows don't disappear. <laughs> if they seem like it, if, don't if, it? If no, no, See, there's the economic reasons mm-hmm, that a different mm-hmm. reason than the people are like we we canceled this show because X, Y, and Z. Okay, you know, like sense. it's yeah. it's different than you know. You got to take risks. You got to take the that's risks. what art is about. That's take, what comedy is about. So, mm-hmm. Particularly comedy. Like, yeah. I mean, like comedy. Is all about saying the wrong thing.
0: Exactly, you know, it's the thing that people say. Yes, all understanding. The t- people
3: Oh, no, sure. it's not that people say all the time. It's like it's tragedy for you, but comedy for Correct. me. Yeah. yeah, you know, is
1: what it is. And I think <coughs> the people who are making the decision, like it affects. They're like, this is too tragic. This yeah, is too tragic. It's not. Yeah, let me let not. me ask you before you go. Let's talk about running for the board. Okay. So you were starting to get into that, and you know we called it the rant room because yeah, let's rant. Yeah. Mm. So, um, like I said, the board nominations uh, would open up on Wednesday.
3: I believe it will on, on Wednesday's the candidate's Canada's Canada's night, night. That's and what then it is. Thursday it's the thirty first of August. Yeah, that's yeah, the next day. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's yeah. Thursday. Thursday. Okay, cool. So this is gonna drop tomorrow. Yeah, cool. So, uh, okay, let's talk about what did what's your um, platform. Yeah, what's your what's your whole platform? What you what you going out for? What what do you want people to know? I mean, it's very
4: abnormal and unique when there's a strike going on during an election during an election for WGA. I think it's only happened once before. Yeah, it's weird. So it's weird. Yeah. And you gotta be careful how you campaign, because I want to show I have total respect for the leadership. For I'm, sure. I'm 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 saluting everything they do, every statement that yeah. comes out, every Chris Kaiser speech. Chris I'm, Kaiser. I'm, oh my God. Chris Kaiser. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there, and all I want to do is carry the torch, the very fiery torch that they've lit for all of us into right. the next generation, and keep my generation really involved in this union Mm -hmm. Um, because we're a generation of change makers and cycle breakers we're a generation that's been protesting donald trump and protesting police brutality we are we're ready to fight you know we're ready to fight for our future Mm -hmm. i think a lot of us we are no longer seeing ourselves just as individuals because we understand well if we don't change a lot of these things in this world none of us are going to have success you know so we're all in this together my question is who can turn this moment into a movement we cannot whether we're gonna win we're gonna win this strike there's no doubt about that we have to win Mm -hmm. there's no there's no surrender but when we win we all know that doesn't mean that everything's going to be fixed in hollywood and writers are going to get the respect that we deserve this is not just a battle for money it's a battle for respect and we all know that writers have not been getting the respect we deserve by these corporations so how do we win that respect We continue to organize through the Writers Guild of America. We continue to stay involved like you are in education, in the Black Writers Committee, and using this as our weapon, not just during a strike, but beyond the strike. So that's what I'm really trying to do. I want to educate our membership about how a union works, how they can be more involved in the union beyond this strike. I want to build our power. I want to fight legislatively to make sure that legislatively AI is regulated so we don't just have to fight it every three years in the contract because this technology moves fast. That's what we've seen from the last strike. Last strike was 15 years ago and look how fast technology has moved much faster than our labor power or our contracts can move so we need to actually push our elected representatives mm-hmm. to look out for us so we don't have to be the tip of the spear the mm-hmm. fact that the Writers Guild of America
3: is the tip it's of the spear, spear for the nation
4: for the entire nation right. and really the entire globe mm-hmm. the entire global wor- uh, workforce against AI and automation it's ridiculous we're writers dog <laughs> like, but we out here and we're brave enough and courageous enough that we're taking that but it really should be our elected leaders who are making laws to make sure that you know like i worked for ed markey he has a a piece of legislation to say that ai cannot access or control the nuclear codes or nuclear yeah. weapons that should pass yesterday. <laughs> but unfortunately, because our politics is so divided. Mm-hmm. so broken. It's so broken that nothing gets done, even the most common sense stuff. So we have to push the FTC to make sure that these corporate mergers mm. don't continue. What's her
3: name, Layla Khan? Is that her name, the woman? Yeah,
4: yeah, FTC, and she's on our side. She's even picketed with us. So we mm. have a lot of friends in government right now, mm. and they're looking to the Writers Guild of America as leaders in this fight. Mm. So we have to see ourselves as leaders. We are I think we've been trained so much as writers to take notes, to be supplicant, to be submissive to these corporate powers that be. But now we are the ones setting the agenda of Hollywood. Now we're the ones controlling the narrative of Hollywood. And we can't let go of that grip. We know they have crisis PR firms. We know that they have lobbyists that pay off politicians. So we got to do that same. They're going to be working in their corporate offices. Once we go back to work in the writer's room, they're going to have their own room and how to screw us over. <laughs> so we got to keep not just writing and being creative, we got to keep fighting back. Of course, we need time to rest. We need time to repair. We can't always be fighting, we can't always have our spears out. But we gotta understand that we have taken this mantle and the rest of the labor movement is looking to us Mm -hmm. as leaders, as heroes. And now is our time to lead, now is our time to be heroes. So I wanna lead that fight. I've worked in politics so I know how that world works. I worked in the culture industry so I know how this world works Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning. There's a lot I gotta learn. But I know inherently when we empower people through education, Mm -hmm. when we give people the tools to understand how the business works, then they will thrive, will continue to diversify Hollywood and will continue to fight back and democratize this workplace so we can make and we can use art for what it really is which is the revolutionary evolutionary force of humanity the reason we're here speaking right now Mm -hmm. we used to be fish who crawled out the sea man (laughs) i don't get how it all works but that's evolution for you we found that fire, that bonfire, and we told each other stories of how to survive. And our ancestors told stories when they were on the plantation yeah. of, of these, these slaves who escaped off the ship and rose up and flew up into heaven stories is are always how we survive how we evolve and i think that is why even though it's so strange that we're at the tip of the spear of this fight that's why it had to be the storytellers of the world that said enough is enough we're fighting back against this greed and we're returning to a culture of humanity, to to love and care and community. We have to return to that. We have to build a culture of that. We have to put that into our cultural work and teach people how to live in community, how to live collectively. And the best way to do that, I believe, is through unions because you go to work every single day. Everybody's gotta make a living. So we see no matter what color we are, what race, what, what gender we are, We're all workers here. We're all writers here. We all share this same fire, this same drive. We're nerds, comic book nerds, video game nerds, whatever it is. We love this. We have love. And we have to return to not just the business and the numbers, but return to the labor of love that is our craft. And not let them destroy that for the sake of just a little
3: bit more money. What were you saying, Chris? So I was going to say... You made a really great point about what's happening, the arts of, you know, I was, I was talking with somebody the other day, we were came to this point where we were like, you know, you know, life crushes our soul. Mm. Mm. But art reminds us that we have one. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why we have to do this fight this way. I mean, you hear about, like, you know, I remember there's a whole thing that there was Apple executive was like, well, we can't let the WGA yeah. win because, yeah it's going to make people in workforces around the globe think <laughs> they need to be unionized right and i mean i mean look the, like like that was his mindset and then like 2 weeks later the the, the, the vfx guys over at disney were like okay we're going to unionize right. and you see the other people unionize and it's like that's the thing that i can't believe they waited this long well mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot behind the the, the vfx stuff, but but it's like i i mean like i love what you're saying i love the whole point about like what we're doing, and as a storytellers we have to do that because we're the ones, you know, that you know, just talk, talking with someone about uh, something about, um, oh, they were like, oh, why do we need to learn a foreign language now with with AI, right? You know, and I and I remember reading this really great quote like twenty years ago from this guy named Umberto Eco, and he was like, you know, in Italian the word for trader and translator is different by like one letter right mm. and he's like saying you don't want to like lose the ability to have someone speak another language because the art of a culture is, is like comes across in its language comes across in its poetry mm-hmm. right. and if you let that get like crushed down by what's going to be the best financial choice then you get into these real. Then you get into this bad situation where we in terms of what we're living like, just our lives won't be good. Yeah, you know. And I think that's what I mean. That's why I love what you're saying about trying to educate people more about like where are we going to be, you know, to not um, let this happen. You know. Yeah.
1: Let me let me ask you about some of your thoughts on some of the points. Mm-hmm. Residuals, of course. We mentioned a little bit of AI. We can still get a little bit into that. And I mean. This is something new for me, Chris. Is it? Is it new? I don't remember this in two thousand seven. Did did we have the thing where the SAG allowed um, actors to you know do like independent films? I don't remember that.
3: Oh, the waiver. Yeah, the, the waiver. Did, did we have that? They, no, because they did that in the sixties. No. They did it in the sixties, but they didn't do it in the, they didn't do it in two thousand seven because SAG didn't go on strike. Oh, that's right. That's you right. Know, I mean, look, here's mm. here's the thing about the waivers, right? Two things about the waivers. I mean, the waivers. It allows like it it like it allows indie films to get made. Right. Okay? And that's important because the indie films are not they're not brand extension. You know, they're not like the fifth remake of something that we're doing. It's not the ninth generation of a Batman movie in 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. it's like so I like I'm kind of for the waivers because the only thing is that I've been on the spigot lines and asked actors about it. And they're like, "Are those movies really shitty. Like they think they're really shitty movies right. because. Is John
1: Wick considered a studio movie?
3: Yes, because it's on fourth the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. But the first one probably wasn't at landscape right. But but most movies <laughs> you know and love yeah. are probably not not financed by the studios. you people forget that the studios only produce each one about ten movies yeah. a year. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. rest of us all is all it's, it's financed independently. Television is completely different. Yeah. But for the movies, you fucking want to get in yeah. the waivers so, so we can see shit that we've wanted to see and haven't been able to because because a, 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 a lot of it is like I remember Justine Bateman was saying actors. Ask your reps mm-hmm. to fucking look at the indie offers because right. they didn't even get to, they didn't even get to see them. Mm-hmm. So
4: the only thing I have the issue with the interim agreement thing is I think how SAG's leadership rolled it out was very undemocratic That's and true. they did not communicate because I remember being it just popped up it just popped up and that's a big strategic shift now whether or not you agree with it I and if I was a leader of WGA and I think WGA does this very well stay in communication with your base don't make them have to read the trades to understand what your strategy is Mm -hmm. because the trades will manipulate your membership propaganda yeah the the propaganda and the interim agreements Mm. did divide I think it's gotten better but at first it did really divide the the SAG-AFTRA base Um, so I think it just so it underscores that and I'm both really and still like I I
1: didn't like it at all yeah I think that it
4: underscores the importance of having democratic unions that communicate with their membership and remembering that the membership is the union not the staff or the leadership the staff and the leadership they are at service of the membership and the membership isn't always utilizing their full democratic powers but in a strike if you're making a big strategic shift and opening up the door for a lot of independent productions which i want to see more independent cinema rather than just a couple corporations producing everything right. and being our only possible employers and you know they're they're honoring the sag after as demands but you have to communicate you have to respect your base you have to re, you have to communicate with them you have to bring them into strategic conversations right. if you want them to be more engaged in the union if you want them to fight for you you got to fight for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the interim agreements, whether it's good or bad, I just was really disappointed how they did it. And I hope it's a learning experience for the SAG after leadership of like, remember, you are, your union is your membership. And you should always communicate with them before it's a big
1: shift in negotiation right. strategy. I just I uh, think I, it weakens it a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was,
3: I was, you know and, what? I think that part of where Kaiser and Goodman are so good at that now for this, because it's it's no secret why they're, I mean, it was not no secret, but it's a no-brainer that they're in this negotiating committee now.
1: They're the best we've ever had.
3: Because they went through all that, you know, getting burned burned by the membership with the the agency thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure if you're in the the guild there, but at that time, so much anger, yeah, and 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 there was
1: and and the, yeah, they were literally two different sides. Yeah, I mean, and which, the yeah.
3: and the and and I think they figured out. Okay, next time there's some shit, we gotta communicate a lot yeah. better, yeah. a yeah. lot yeah. better. And they and they, I mean, fucking Chris, those videos he puts out. I'm yeah. like, goddamn, dude, like, is this? You went yeah. for office? <laughs> I know. He yeah. sounds like a president yeah. in a movie. Yes. Like, yeah. Not just like Dude, a regular he used, to, he used to be
1: a debater or some shit like he, that. I, I think mean, he yeah. was a speechwriter he, like okay, myself for, was, for, right.
4: for, a, for a politician. Yeah, right. he yeah, if you are not in WGA, I think these videos are available publicly. Yeah. Go watch these. because right. Yo, know, anytime I'm starting to feel like, I don't know what we're doing, then mm-hmm. a Kaiser 16-minute yeah. speech comes out, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, saluting the screen. <laughs> no this <a> motherfucker. So yeah, that communication builds <laughs> solidarity. So whatever your strategy is whether or not tag after strategy is okay this is putting more leverage on the studios i think your greatest strategy is having solidarity Mm -hmm. so if if whatever strategy you're pursuing is is weakening solidarity or causing (coughs) divisions that's not a good strategy because we only win when we stick together for the long haul whenever there starts to be different factions and everything we start to lose now Debate is important. I'm not saying just salute your leadership and not have any debate. It shouldn't
1: be publicly out there,
4: though. Yeah, you should have conversations about it, um, unless there's something horrible going on or something. But for the most part, Whatever issues we have with our leadership in WGA right now, that's what this election's about. Right. If you have different ideas of how leadership should, should work, elect different leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's great about this election happening during the strike. But I personally think our leadership has handled this better than any strike leadership I've, I've heard of. There has I'm, not really been one big loss. For I'm going t- to tell you something. So
1: there was, there was an incident that happened the other day uh, on Facebook, on one of our pages. And <clears throat> one of the one of the over 50 white um, showrunners went on and said some shit. Mm. Actually, they posted some shit that was really negative, And everybody went in on this person. Yeah. And I think think the email actually ended up making it, it went made it to the trades and some shit. Wow. It, it was crazy. Anyway, uh, they basically put a noose up. They thought they were making a joke. Oh, yeah. It was, they thought they were just like, Whoa. oh, you know, I feel like hanging myself. And they used that image. Oh, but God. they didn't okay. say that so the context read differently. than with it. Anyway, so I get a call because I'm, you know, yeah. the black committee and the education and they're like, Hey, what do we do? Blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And I'm like, I mean, I know we don't have the power to let them go, but maybe take them off of fucking Facebook is one mm. thing. And I was like, but the good thing is I usually wouldn't have been called about this. Mm. So I even said to them and it was, you know, some of the big people up there called me and I was like, you, I need you guys to know we don't even usually get this. Mm. So, and I've been here for a long time. You guys have are are a new regime that we've never seen before.
2: Mm. So
1: even the fact that you're calling me is a positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to say that yeah. just in the context of what you were saying that we definitely have a new in the last 10 years yes. whatever it's been <clears throat> it's been different. And if you
4: sure. look across Hollywood unions we're really seeing compared to like DGA or yeah. other unions like the 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 leadership communicates. Yeah. And I think it can get even better, you know, okay. because it shouldn't just be in crisis points that the black committee is is called, you know, right. it should be in collaboration right. consistently. Um, and I think that people are committed to that in the future, especially as we see DEI uh, chairs across the industry get attacked, <laughs> like, right. we gotta there's a lot of racism in this business. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no other way to say it. There's right. a lot of racism, and, and that, that seems like a case of more mental health mm-hmm. rather than racism, but we gotta, we gotta protect each other, LGBTQ writers and all this sort of mm-hmm. thing. We gotta all look out for each other because that's what solidarity means in the long term. Right. It's easier to have solidarity when all of us are fighting for the same contract. When the strike is over, we're all gonna be fighting for different contracts fighting for different jobs, maybe sometimes competing against each other for the same jobs. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that solidarity is so important. And, yeah, in the case of that, I hope that someone reached out to that writer, too, to make sure that
1: they were not... Oh, he tried to apologize, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. went in.
3: Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's, just, it's just tone deaf. Tone, it's deaf. tone, tone deaf. Completely. Can't completely. can a lynching symbol
1: ever.
4: That, that's you know. the thing. There's a lot of. Sometimes people don't even mean bad. It's like I write jokes. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Like, nah. No, no, no. Yeah. It, a lot of people don't <clears throat> mean bad. Right. They just haven't had the education or the experiences, and so they're really tone deaf in ways that can be super destructive. Sure. Putting up that kind of symbol online, when we see what ha- when I'm from Florida you know Mm -hmm. that shit happens you know that shit happens in my in my hometown you know to this day it's not always public publicized about it but it happens um you you gotta you gotta take all these images seriously but we just have to have an open communication within our guild and if but if we don't build those forums privately, then it will leak out to public. And I think that's what happened with sag after with the interim agreements. They they took a long time to create a forum to discuss the interim agreements. So on Twitter, online, in the trades, everyone was arguing about it. That's destructive to the leadership. So you have to give people the forum to dissent, to say, or, or to collaborate. And if not, people are gonna do it through public means, which is not usually, sometimes it's effective, but often it's not.
1: One of the things I want to leave with before we let you go is um, one of one of the reasons why I'm pushing for you. And I've been saying this for a long time. Every time we have a nomination, this this comes around. It's very only in the last Three
3: two cycles, yeah. Two cycles. Three since cycles.
1: like um, we hardly ever usually get any lower level people. Yeah, yeah, put it that way, right? It's usually top heavy. Yeah, all the time. And I just, because people say, like, oh, you should, why aren't you? You know everybody. I'm like, yeah. I'm not competing against John August and all those, exactly. dudes, whoever the fuck, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And because it becomes about that. Yeah. And, but I do think now, since the last regime, that's a word. Regime. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have that word in the project. Um, <laughs> since the change has happened, yeah. we are now in a place where somebody like you could be on a show or two yeah. and be on the board. Yeah, because I think that is what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. You get so top heavy with these people who haven't been lower level in ten years. Yeah, have no idea what's really going on. Not since the streaming <coughs> no. age has started. They yeah. all have a house. Yeah, or a condo, or whatever yeah. the fuck. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know I, I, I
3: remember back. I remember back when I ran. It was like yeah, back is, when you okay. Ran to, so I'm 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 sitting next to Sean Ryan right on the on, yeah in the candidate stage, exactly. and I'm saying to myself. I'm going to give it my best, yeah. but yeah. you know, yeah. the shield just ended and everyone loves yeah. him, yeah. so
1: I'm not going to get those votes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, so. it does become um, it's very political. Yeah. and, and I mean? think
4: that's what's wrong with American democracy sometimes, yeah. that like only really rich people can run exactly. sometimes. Billionaires run, exactly. you know, and we it's not saying that the entire board should be low-level writers, because people who have spent 10, 20, 30 years in the business. Oh, you need the wisdom. Oh my God, yeah. so much wisdom, and when you in a writer's room with veterans you really see on a creative level and a business level people give you game but also you need the perspective of people who are starting out or lower level people who are black or gay you need all these perspectives to inform a democracy and it's not a dictatorship if I get on board it's not just my voice it's not just lower level voices but we need those voices and I, I hope that we get a board eventually that is truly representative of the guild and the guild's future not just the guild's past or present but the future that we want of the guild for sure. and I think that if you look at the candidates beyond me we're seeing it's a historic number of black women running too Bro, which I think is big. absolutely beautiful yeah. and people who have been <coughs> stuck in the lower levels mm-hmm. too so if any of those extremely qualified candidates win I'm happy yeah. you know
1: if I I, mean, win, I'm for, I'm, I vote for everybody black that's just what uh, I oh yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> I can't it's endorse I I can't, I'm not allowed to endorse anybody because I'm running but yeah I mean listen we gotta look out for each other because because it's important it's important it changes policy Mm -hmm. and that's not any critique of the white members of the board or leadership i think they really care but when you have the experience it's a whole different level and when you have the experience of starting out in the streaming era Mm -hmm. of working on a giant show and seeing no share in the success of working in a mini room for a very provocative political show and then seeing that get you know neutered and Mm -hmm. and and not not Mm air And and working for free for a screenplay, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? For a movie company. These are all, I'm I'm not complaining. These are no tragedies, but they are important experiences that I think my generation really resonates with. Because I wasn't planning on running for board because I thought the same thing. Am I going to run against like John August? (laughs) But then it was people like John August who came Mm -hmm. to me and said, you know what, we actually need someone like you right now. And I think we have seen the lower-level re- staff, writer, repeating, right. and the degradation of having any kind of middle-class career, unless you're at the very top of the room, that people see, oh, we need those voices consistently. What, what I
1: see even more, the re- the other reason I think you're really important is because you're vulnerable. Yeah, There is something about being, being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, whereas other people, you could feel somebody's holding back. Yeah. They're not quite telling you their experiences because yeah. they don't want to talk about that show, or yeah. whatever. Soon as you go into that, there's the wall's up. Yeah, I feel like your wall is down. Yeah, and you're allowing people to come in. And I could see why everybody who, when I say well, I'm gonna have you know Alex on the show, where we need to go to Alex, yeah. like, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's talking about that right now. So that is a good thing, and that's
4: so beautiful <clears throat> to me because you know, as as men, as black men, we're taught that we can't be vulnerable. Yep. We can't tell the truth. We gotta always act, you know, like totally with it. Right. And I think that was the hardest thing that was the most damaging thing mental health wise about entering the business, doing the bear, of just I didn't know how to play the part, I didn't know how to play the role, I didn't know what the role was, I didn't get the script for whatever role socially I'm supposed to play. And it was at, like we talked about earlier, it was at that strike authorization meeting when I shared my truth with with a lot of vulnerability. and I felt like crying, I was trying to get through it just to remind people why we're fighting this fight. And my fellow writers, they stood up for me, Mm -hmm. literally. And were applauding me and i was just looking around like what the hell is mm-hmm. going on i thought this was the opposite i thought i was going to get in trouble mm-hmm. no
3: saying no because you know it's interesting because i mean i mean look because you new. that was your first time at the vote i remember at the one in 2017 the right. last time i got that right. really big strike authorization mm-hmm. it's like there's like you mean you mentioned this but it's different unless you've been in it for a minute because because i remember because like i got it in right the last strike started and, and I stayed in the whole game because of the union and the community. It's like you realize that as soon as you can say what your truth is, what is like is concerning you, you realize like you I've been saying there's the wall everyone else got Everyone else is fighting the same fight. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Oh my God, somebody said it." Exactly. Right. Oh my, God. and it's a relief of them because it's like two things. One, I don't have to say it, mm-hmm. and because I because I'm afraid to say it because I don't know how I'm gonna be perceived. And then B, I the solidarity, the the, the I we, it, like. We're simpatico yeah. in what we're fighting for, because everybody fucking knows about the downward pressure on like all like, yes. the money. Yep. And the thing is, is that all you hear about in the news, <laughs> and it's the whole trick with the game, the whole, the propaganda of the whole city is. Someone so just sold a script for a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Someone so got this big ass mm-hmm. deal. For, they get the big ass deal for blah blah blah, and it's like the outliers make the news. Yeah, you moved here, right? You know, but, but the <laughs> out, outlier is like point zero one percent of the people, yeah. and it's like that's not everybody's thing. And and you know that all the people who are trolling on Twitter, the 90s? like 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 <laughs> yeah. like like who don't fucking work in this business, zero. don't realize that. That's not everybody. That's that's not even close. That's not even a majority of people. But they oh, dangle yeah. that it. They of dangle they say, You're the so propaganda. close You're to close. it. You're yeah. gonna get it. Like you, know, the overall deal that's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, look. You know, I'm sure the fucking Ben's overall deal was nice. You know, nice it as fuck. Crazy. But uh, but I remember Kersman's overall deal was like 147 million dollars. I yeah. was like, I mean, yeah. fuck. You know, that's that's the one I want. You know. Sure. But then again, is that like handcuffs you do, you want? I, I don't know there's a lot to it.
1: Yeah. But you can't go but, nowhere.
3: But that's the reason why I think what you said and how you said it and I think why people responded is because, you know, part of being a writer, I think this is kind of a a trick to, not of a trick, but like a pitfall for us is that we tend to not be confrontational, Mm -hmm. you know, and that confrontational also means us sticking up and saying what we want. You know, Mm -hmm. and and expressing our own needs and wants. We don't do that well, you know, it's just – Cause we're in our heads trying to figure shit out and, and, we, and we put confrontation on the page not in, in, our, in our voices yeah. but that's where when you can be that open people it just resonates and that's yeah. what i think that's why you gotta you know and yeah. i mean
1: that, that's how i was trying to get to is keep yeah. that keep that yeah. part of you just tell the truth and that's the lesson do, that's straight. all you got for all of us not yeah. just for me but for all of us yeah. that's
4: our power they're higher, They're spending millions of dollars on PR firms, and they literally <laughs> own the media, right? They literally own the so media, brilliant. yet we're beating them, yeah. and we are not strategizing all together. We're just going up there, and we're telling our truth. We're mm-hmm. telling our truth on the picket line. We're telling our truth when we get interviewed. We're just telling our truth, and that's always our power, yeah. and not just as storytellers, but as any kind of worker, <clears> as any <throat> kind of oppressed person. That's our power, and that's why they always try to stamp it out, so I hope... You know, win or lose, I don't want this to be about me. I don't want this to be about just this strike. I want it to be about the revelations that we've all seen of what is possible because if you had told me at the beginning of the strike, I'd be here now getting interviewed. I went on cnn and everything. Yeah, I, I saw would've you. I, I would have been you. like, What are you talking about, shit, dude? Shit
3: talking about my, yeah, shit exactly. Talking I mean. Shit
4: talking my boss. And like if you rack back, you'll see you, you back. back. Yeah, 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 if you back. I was like, yeah. "Oh let's yeah. my yeah, yeah, exactly. was like, Do If you would have told me that, that would have been met with everyone being like, Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> been like what are you talking about
1: but as you were talking real shit that's real the real shit that's the and then all you can exactly. do is talk
4: corporate shit yeah. and that's all it is they're gonna sound like a pr right. firm we're gonna sound like real human beings exactly. so who are you gonna actually empathize with yep. that's our power and when we go back to agents and negotiating deals yeah we have to stand up for ourselves and we all if we all just take the minimum yep. like we're doing right now then we're all gonna be pitted against each other exactly. oh there's another homie you know how many black dudes will like this job? Yep. We can't do that we have to maintain that solidarity keep the community keep in conversation so we don't think oh it's my personal failing that i got the minimum or i'm repeating staff writer or anything like that Mm -hmm. that's like no this is a system designed to keep you here and keep them up there and so if we keep that solidarity beyond the strike We cannot even imagine what will happen, because in four months, four months ago, I was driving to the strike authorization meeting being like, oh, my God, the last thing I want to do is go on strike right now. (laughs) And I was crying
1: because it was hardship that I was
4: looking forward to. But now, I feel power. Yeah. And it's not my own personal power. It's this collective power mm-hmm. of realizing we're all in this together. And I, I could have hoped for that, but mm-hmm. that sounds a little too much like a Hollywood movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Real life is usually a little bit more cynical. But, but you're we, doing the right thing. You're listening to to what the universe is telling you. Exactly. You're saying yes to something. Say yes. You know
4: what I'm saying? And you see what happens <laughs> afterwards. And right. that's what it's I've done pivot. my whole life. It's a in. I don't. I can't. Any, I don't think anyone could replicate my life journey of writing for senators or, or doing com, or community organizing or writing *The Bear*, because none of that when I was doing it was supposed to be. Right big and when i went to the strike authorization meeting i wasn't supposed to end up running for board of wga (laughs) but you have to lean into the potential and remember the future is still unwritten and i think as writers that's what's so hard about writing because we don't know how it's all going to end but we challenge ourselves to look into the future of these characters lives and we challenge ourselves to look into our own future and realize that the world that we've wanted to live in the business we've wanted to work in is possible if we keep our power and keep our solidarity and keep this love that we feel on the picket line. So I hope we can do that in the long term. Indeed. Whether I'm on board or off, that's what I want my career to be defined by.
1: That's dope. On that note, thank you, Alex. Thanks oh, for thank you. Coming hanging out with Which us. Was Two hours. Two hours. Y- flew by. Job, yeah, yapping. it flew by.
4: <laughs> absolutely. We just were ranting most of the time. <laughs> yeah, up, absolutely. That's why we're called
1: the rant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, brother. Where you at? Where can people follow you? Are you on Twitter, Instagram? Where you at?
4: I'm on Instagram.gov. I don't know how I got that, but like, you know, like, you know, (laughs) D-O-T-G-O-V. And then on Twitter.
1: You got to brand your real name. I know.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That that name's (laughs) Dakin. And on Twitter is Alex O'Keefe 1994. And you can also go on alexo'keefe.com to read my platform for the WJ yeah. board. And especially if you're a member of WJ or any Hollywood union, I wanna hear your thoughts because it's always a living platform. Yeah. And like I said, communication and collaboration, that's what this business is all about. So if I'm able to get on that board, that's gonna be a seat, not just for me, mm-hmm. it's gonna be everyone's seat at the table. So yeah. everyone keep talking to me, keep telling me what you wanna see. What future you want to live in In this business In this world And I'll, I'll fight for that right. And that's why I can pledge to you I'll always be a fighter On behalf of the people
1: Who don't have a voice right now That's what's up Where are you at Chris Dare <clears throat> I am
3: on Twitter and Instagram And Thread It's
1: still called Twitter right Oh fuck. Oh X X, X. It's just X Four Yeah six. you can X me I'm not saying that I'm a grown ass
2: man Oh now. my I god, god. X. I feel it's like a middle schooler It's funny because I,
1: I still get certain things Like
3: you know like If you to report a fucked up Think it still say Twitter there. Yeah. See oh, no, they ain't fucking that enough. It's a over mess over they mess over there. But you can find me at unauthorized C B D on Twitter or Instagram. That's And
1: they're. uh <clears throat> I'll be down. Awesome. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on X, Twitter, whatever the fuck is called. <laughs> uh, at Hilliard Guest. You guys can um please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to, Spotify, we're all over the world, everywhere. Um Please give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, What else we got, Chris?
3: You can support the show. Please support the show. And we've had some new su- subscribers, which we love. Thank you so much. Uh, you can add, if you go to our, our website, it's screenwritersrr.com. You'll find a link to our Patreon page. Oh. Um, if you listen on Spotify, then you can support the show directly through Spotify. There's like a donate oh, button or something that like that. T-shirts on there. Yeah, okay. so there's some T-shirts that that will, that will update a little bit. Um, but yeah, but th- that's how so you can support the show. Patreon. Uh, link if you want to go directly to patreon it's just patreon.com uh forward slash uh screenwriters rant room
1: yeah it's in the show notes too yeah dope dope. um for sure big shout out thank you rich redlow yes hanging out with us (laughs) also of course my man jerry jerome taking photos y'all gonna hear it clicking the whole goddamn thing we gotta get him one of them the paparazzi we gotta get him one of them with those silent box things mm-hmm. they have when you're on the set They're, mm-hmm. they're steel oh, the, big, the big blimp box. I don't know yeah, 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 what you're talking a about the blimp yeah, yeah. the blimp yeah, yeah. it yeah. keeps it all out um, so so we gotta make some money for Jerry can get one of them <laughs> you gotta get a blimp for it <laughs> <laughs> click, click, click. Like, he wants I'm to get there. on the show <laughs> you're talking more than me man you're clicking more than me he's been on the show <laughs> oh you've been on the show okay i gotta listen more. yeah did yeah, that no, no. um anyway so everybody jonah and me um uh, for 2023 um thank you again alex for hanging absolutely. out with us man like i said this drops tomorrow send us a headshot so we can get that moving absolutely and uh, we'll be blasting this every week all over this week um shit like that shit like that shit like that shit like that. Uh, I've been watching those battle rap things. Somebody uh, get some bars and they go shit like that. Yeah, shit like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank y'all. Y'all know how we're doing on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. 2023.
0: 2023. Hey. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. You wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a writer till your fears are diminished and the doubts are behind you. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the red room. We let that shit up off our chest. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier. He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the red room.
3: Hey listeners, before we dive into this week's podcast, I wanted to let you know this is an independent podcast and we're doing this podcast all on our own so we can deliver the content and get the guests that we know will help you with your creative journey. And that means we don't have the financial backing or the marketing and promotional tools that Wondery or iHeartRadio or Gimlet might assist us with. Now we want to continue giving you game from the Hollywood trenches, so we ask that you help us out hit that subscribe button, hit that review button, definitely hit that review button, and download these episodes, post links on your social media, tell everyone you know, and support our Patreon for only $1 a month. Find the link at screenwritersrr.com or patreon.com forward slash screenwriters room. And if you already are a subscriber, we love you. No, we really do. And we appreciate you listening. So let's get on with the show.